Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Garen, I'm here with Paul. I'm here as well with my new microphone that hopefully doesn't sound like farce. Delicious new microphone that we've, yeah. we've all been waiting patiently for. Waiting patiently so yeah. I don't sound like I'm muffled and eating the mic, which I did sound like that. Yeah. Um, hopefully between, this is a bit better. Between your new microphone and my fucking fan, there's, there's a lot of people out there waiting with bated breath for our household have, we, deliveries. We, with this mic and your fan, we could have a new Nine Inch Nails album. It's very, very true. Very true. So. <laughs> um, the fucking thing is driving me mad. Uh, this week, we wanted to approach something Irish. So we came up with a list of a bunch of bands we think are either a combination of underappreciated in Ireland or unknown in Ireland, yet yeah. reasonably well-known outside of Ireland. And uh, oh, massive, yeah, or in some cases, bigger outside, or, yeah. yeah, like the definitely, yeah, yeah. I always found this phenomenon, phenomenon mad, but it did take us a while. We we talked about doing this ages ago, yeah. but the hassle, a the hassle of it. We're researching bands that we don't particularly wouldn't normally listen to, some of them I would, um, and as well as that, it was hard to get 12 bands that were well. Here's the thing, right. Loads of bands are more well known outside Ireland, yeah. like Cranberries, U2, but here's the catch. They have to be relatively an unknown household name mm. in in Ireland. That's yeah. the key, and that's what makes it interesting to me. Anyway, there was people out there that went to a different country and just plied their trade there, and never not to say never looked back, but to this day they could walk around the city and be like, "Who's that lad?" I know. Yeah, what's he do? Oh, he's yeah. famous in this country and that country. He's famous in Australia or whatever. That's crazy. Ca- I case, love this. The idea is case in point. My very first choice. Right, and it leads exactly yeah. into what you just said. So I used to drink in the Foggy Jew pub an awful lot, right? Uh, mostly because yeah. I had a record shop. I owned the record shop literally next door to it, and I was there for like a year That's and right. a half, two years before the landlord pulled the plug on the whole building, and I had to I had to leave. But because of that, I was in the Foggy Jew. Jesus, too much. Let's just say, let's say too much. And yeah. um, there was a fellow used to drink in there as well. And I just kind of knew him. <clears throat> I knew him to like nada. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fucking, all right. I might, like, at the end of the night, you might fucking have a point or whatever. But I, I never even really knew his name. I found his name out kind of later. But I was looking at the cunt. I was like, there's something about this fucker. You know, he had, he had this aura about him, you know, where it was like. He had star quality. Yeah, star yeah. Star quality. At the X Factor. Yeah, but there was something about him. Now I know what you mean. Is, is that, yeah, I see some people like that something. What does he do? Oh, he is a, a billionaire. Like that's it. There's something. There was something, something just slightly different. An extra factor. He mightn't have even said any. Mightn't even said no, anything. No, never. He never brought up like what he done or whatever the fuck it was. And like I said, he was a. Uh, he seemed like a nice enough fella. He was kind of mates with my mates as opposed to you know me and him being best of us, whatever. We would have known yeah. each other kind of nodder. And uh, it turns out he was the singer of uh, the, my first choice on this list. And uh, my first choice on this list is Primordial. And uh, it was Alan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bollocks. All right, fuck it. Do it. Fuck it. Now, I made a bollocks of it, but we're going to keep going. Why not? No, I tell you, I tell you, I can tell you exactly what happened. I had Spotify. I was like, open. I was like this is this is a long intro for. Is yeah. he going into? Is he going into a song? No, it's, well, it's Grant. It's not like it's a surprise reveal. I tell you exactly what happened. I had Spotify oh, open and I had it scrolled up a bit so I could only see my first one, not your first one. But uh, yeah, do it. let's do it. Well, I just do it. 
Yeah, actually, before you do that, I want to give a shout out to the ones that didn't make it that because I, I, I don't want people like listen to the podcast. Going, I can't believe they're not mentioned this year or this year or this year. The Kelly family were an obvious choice, but it's almost too obvious. And the fact that they're mostly American Irish. I know yeah. the lead singer is born in Dublin, but he was born where they were like visiting or something like that. Is the lead singer not a child? Electronic artist called Talos. Is the lead singer not well, like a baby? Oh, yeah, I know. But like the last time I saw anything about the Kelly family on the internet was like some little young fellow with long blonde hair, almost white hair, yeah. singing about pissing the bed. Oh no, I think he, no, I think he might be a younger one. Yeah. Mm. The younger one again. He was probably born in like Australia or something. I don't know. Yeah. Is that what they don't? But, um, they just travel around the world having babies. Yeah, that's a kind of they they, they kind of had that traveling family uh, band ethos thing. And the uh, are you sure it wasn't cool. Oh, it easily could have been. And I I used to have a I bought this t-shirt in Spain that had the whole Kelly family on it, and I cut the arms off it to look like a metal t-shirt. Well before people started doing that. Oh, uh, and then. And then I, I did find a song by them called I Fell in Love with an Alien, which I really like because it's weird. They're like, do you know what? They're like a fucking homeschooled Osmonds. Yes, that's, that's the best way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah. one, actually. Um, th- there was those, yeah, like the, <coughs> the ground, where they're mostly kind of set in America. I think they're an American family. Uh, Talos is a, is a one-man one kind of project for Kokoi and Cork that makes electronic music that blew up. Yeah. But... Um, uh, then the Secret Garden, half Norway, half Irish. They're massive, mm. way bigger. That would see they're they're almost household name in Ireland. Actually, mm. Secret Garden. Yeah. Um. Then there was the new metal band, One Minute Silence. Do you remember? I remember. Them? I remember. Yeah. The lead singer from Tipperary. Uh, I just wanted to gloss over them before we launched into our big juicy ones. And the big I juicy ones. I know you're dying to talk about. Priorities. I'm not. <laughs> Fuck it. You go first. No, we'll keep no. to the order. We'll do the order. Oh, really? I made okay, a bollocks yeah. of it. And it like, that's, it actually... that's where the comedy lives. The comedy lives in me is. making a bollocks of it and having to just stand, stay it here is. and bait it, Brett. I, I did that before on a podcast, actually, as well. well yeah. I did it. Do you remember Fuck I did it. That? And you were like, oh, oh, no, I changed it. We had two podcasts recording. I just I gave the intro to one of them and you were <laughs> looking right. at me all funny and all and you're like, Oh, we're doing that one then. Okay, yeah. Yeah, look, it happens. Who was your first one, Paul? Um, my, my first one is a guy called Ray Garvey. Okay. Ray Garvey is the biggest one, possibly the biggest one on this, no, he's not the biggest one on this list, but he is a massive, he's a massive star. He's a 47-year-old lad from, his dad is a former chief and superintendent, superintendent of Tralee in Kerry. Jesus. So, I have literally never heard of this fella. No, I hadn't. You see, this is the gas thing. We don't, we didn't like, we're not going to pretend we know all this. No. The idea was that we were going to dig this up. Yeah. So I had heard his name and I'd mostly heard his band's name. So he was in a band called the Reckless Pedestrians and they broke up. They had played a couple of gigs in Germany and broke up. And then he went, you know what? I like there. I'm going to go over there on my own. This is when they were absolutely like just. Whelan's, not even Whelan's level, mm. I don't think. Upstairs. So we went over to Germany with a demo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the little, that little granny room. Yeah. Um, he went upstairs. Fuck off. He went Bastard. upstairs. He went to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Germany with his demo in his hand and no money, apparently. And uh, put an ad in the magazine. And a guitarist who, who, who had seen the Reckless Pedestrians mm. was like, I know that guy. He was really good. So they got together and they formed a band called Raymond which is Irish for Raymond, which is presumably his name. So it's like almost like Bon Jovi. 
Yeah. I was about to say Raymond over here is actually a Raymond over here is actually Raymond. Raymond over here is Raymond, Paul. Yeah. Raymond in England is Raymond. Rayman is a pretty good game as well. And a movie. Rain Man. Rain Man. I was watching some lovely I watched a Midnight Cowboy the other night with uh, Dustin Hoffman as as Ratso. It's so fucking good. I haven't seen it in about twenty years. And uh, it just popped up on Netflix the other day. I was like, fuck it, let's give this a go again. So fucking good. Savage film. Yeah. I remember like, watching that and going, this was allowed out at this time. Oh, this man, the gear, the, the stuff they got Black away content. with. The shit. Know, the, yeah. the stuff that Dustin Hoffman alone got away with. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, not just in Tuxie that film. As in, well. all, in all of his movies. Yeah. Like, he had a big period yeah. there of just, like, like, fucking outrageous stuff that you would not be allowed to do. He had, Anymore. A big, he had a big period in, in, in Tootsie as well. That's right, yeah. Um, big, so, big, heavy, big heavy flow. <laughs> big tree dropper. That was, yeah. that was a tree. Do you know what? That was, that was a cheap shot, but I'm not well, really. I, I still do it. If I personally, as I said, he went through a, like a big period of, I was going to say it as well, and I didn't. And I'm glad you done it. Because you got yeah, the, you're, you're, you're the, the better man. You take the brunt. Yeah, I, anyway, tell I'll me about brunt, uh, Ray Garvey. Yeah, um, not too long after setting up Raymond in Germany, they went to one of those showcases that, I don't know if they still exist today, those band showcases where you play for executives. <sighs> they do they where they don't have they, films. They, uh, they probably do Showy films, they exist. Uh, they got a deal with the uh, Virgin Germany straight away. Mm. This band, right, filled major stadiums in Germany. And there's a it's lot of big there. stadiums in Germany. There's, a a, there's massive, it's because of the football being football, big. Yeah. They had five gold albums and five gold and platinum albums there in Germany and in Europe. Raymond, the band, played for Obama when he gave his speech in Germany. Jesus. This, these, like, genuinely, they played <coughs> rock hammering times. They played at not just stadiums, but festivals to, like, probably over 100,000 people. Does, no, he, no, I mean, does he sing in English or German? Sings in English, uh, but he speaks fluent German because Walter, he like. is um, one of... He's one of the guest judges on The Voice, the oh, German Voice, The Voice in German. Voice, your German voice. Z Voice. Das, das, das yes, Voice. I wasn't going to give it a go. I wasn't going to give it a go. He went solo then and scaled back to big anthem rock in favor of a more kind of like electronic yeah. song style. So he was working with like Jam and Spoon and Paul Van Dyke and all for a while. He's got a mad career. Mm. He still plays Rock and Ring with his own electronic kind of stuff. And I, I was trying to get, a, you know what I was trying to do? I was looking at the venues he was playing, trying to get a, a judgment of who I could compare him to. I really couldn't figure anyone because he, he, he fills venues maybe 6.5 thousand on his own. Yeah. That's still pretty impressive. We don't have venues think, that size over here. Yeah, I couldn't figure out who he's really like. I was thinking maybe no. someone like Miles Kennedy or something. Uh, yeah, German, yeah. Yeah. Was Irish Miles Kennedy in Germany. But he's worked with Mary J. Blige, uh, Nelly Furtado, uh, and like I said, Paul Van Dyke, Jam and Spoon. Um, he said that when he comes home, he's largely unrecognized, even in his hometown. He said it's great because in Germany, he's constantly recognized. Obviously. Hounded. But it's mad because that's, that's how I pick. Hounded. He's hounded. Hunted. <laughs> hunted. <laughs> uh, hang on. Jaegerd. Isn't Jaeger the German for hunt? Uh, yes. Uh, so... The song Is It Love, uh, pfft, not into it, but there it is. It's from 2018. That has 28 million plays on front of it. Fuck me sideways, like. Fucking Jesus. 28, 28 million. So he is, Ray Garvey is 
from Trilly left, went to Germany and became a megastar over there. Like a huge megastar. Well, yeah, no, crazy. You see, Germany and a lot of Europe, it's so hard to try and figure out logically what that is like because they're, yeah. you know what I mean? We talked about this a lot before in Fest. When we look at their festivals, it's like Scorpions headlining all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. over here, if you had Scorpions and you put like, Jesus, if you put Whitesnake out there, like Whitesnake will be dominating them. But in other places, yeah. like, White snake over yeah. scorpions. Yeah. <laughs> don't make mine laugh. Yeah, don't we, make me laugh. <laughs> make mine laugh. Um, don't make yeah, mine we, laugh. That's we, sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we 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 talked about that before. Like, Germany's a pretty big fucking country. Like, and realistically, it's a you, big, it's a big you lad. Can, you can tour it. You know, it's not like Ireland or England. Yeah. You can tour Germany. There's enough little towns and big cities, and also because it's the center of the fucking continent as well, and you're in the EU, yeah. you can jump over into France. There's a whole other country to do, you know, exactly, Belgium, yeah. fucking Poland, were, Austria. It's a, like, you're in the middle. Radio, because this guy is, he had, they had a big song, uh, and I listened to what I slightly remember it called Super Girl. Jesus. And I don't know if it was played on Irish radio because, you know, he's a yeah. hard worker from Trilly. No, fair play to him. He looks, like Kevin Nash, and he's the same height. <laughs> really? Yeah, he looks like fucking Kevin Nash. He's a big cunt, like he's a monster. Yeah, yeah, he's an absolute monster. I didn't want to watch any interviews because I'll get that Irish begrudge. Oh, you fucking dick. Yeah, he's probably he's probably fucking lovely man. Probably a lovely guy. But uh, that is one of the bigger ones. That's Ray Harvey yeah. uh, from the band Raymond, who um are or were they were massive, and he's still massive over there. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, comes over to oh, oh fuck, I never checked what he does in Ireland. He's uh, he walks in uh, Musgraves, Musgraves. Yeah, I must head to Musgraves actually. I I have it. I don't know if I even have an account for Musgraves anymore. I'm sure I do. I have to. I have to find it. Find the number. I just have to check really quickly where he played in Ireland. It's gonna do my fucking nothing. Probably fucking Um, vicar or something. What what do you do, vicar? (coughs) I don't know. I mean, you have to think. There's an art. There's a big. Uh, contingent of Germans that live here and then you've got just general music people who would go and you know who would know them like I mean what's what's Vicar 1100 like 1200 yeah you could be right I reckon you do a Vicar ah Jesus you know what I went looking for this today and I couldn't find it then I went off to make a sandwich game like I forgot about that you play in Ireland you know what he probably played the fucking the the Dog and the dog and arms in fucking yeah exactly yeah <laughs> in Trilly yeah. just takes out the alpha. My son, my son's a megastar in Germany. Yeah, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he, still, he is. He's yeah. massive. He's, he's still Saturday night down the fox and hounds. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did very English bar, bar names. Yeah, there, exactly. All, yeah. They're always better for a joke, though. Do you know they are. Yeah. The, they lend the, themselves better to a joke. The pheasant and shield, etc. Yeah, the English pubs have the fucking the best names. The fuck, the, the fox and rope. <laughs> yes, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> The modern Yeah, exactly. So um, give me your first one that's primordial there. Uh, so my first one, uh, <laughs> turns out it's primordial. I can't believe I done that. I got locked into the story. Anyway, you've heard the first half. The first half of this fucking tale is primordial. Yeah, it was, it was Alan Avril. Uh, he was the singer from uh, yeah. from Primordial. Uh, turns out primordial are from that, that um, extreme metal hotbed of uh, Scaries. Of Scaries. Uh, Scaries. Yeah. I didn't Absolutely. know that. I didn't know that on them. Um, Alan, I talked about. I actually talked about Alan before in an old podcast. Uh, me and him went to the same school as well, which could That's have right. been why we were looking at each other and kind of nodding at each other. Uh, very possible. So yeah, I am um, again. I, I don't know him now, but I kind of know him ish. 
I've um, talked to Alan a few times, and I swear, I really think he's a really nice guy. I get on well. Big lad. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Just people that will go. Oh, he's a big rock star. And I'm, I can't. I tell you this right now. Anytime I've met him, he's been really cool. But we all. I'm, the only time I ever really meet him is at synthwave gigs. Yeah, um, yeah. A few times about like he's mad into it. He has yeah. his own kind of. I wouldn't say synthwave. It's kind of dark synth rock. Uh, yeah, he, ha- he he has a couple of, of bands going. He has yeah, a he has a super April. group thing. Oh, that's Dread, Sover- Dread Sovereign, isn't it? Uh, no, he has a group called Twilight of the Gods. Oh, which right, is with okay. a couple of lads uh, from Cradle of Filth, uh, Demi Bogger, uh, Testament, and Exodus, and I a mean, few other lads. Listen to those names. Just goes to show you. Oh yeah, yeah. Now they're um, not household names in Ireland, but the fact in, is, in the scene, they are. Like, Primordial are the biggest Irish metal band by far. That, yeah, Primordial that, are huge, and, and that could, possibly will ever be. Uh, yeah, from, definitely. From here on in, as in, like I don't think anyone's going to top. Um, I, I have another one on the list that are. I think equally as big, but possibly oh, yeah, yeah, ten yeah. times more kind of niche. But um, shout out to uh, shout out to his band Aperman though, Alan's uh, band Aperman. I think it's what his brother. They're um, they're mm-hmm. good man. It's just kind of like what is it like? They do they do cover U two. They did another cover yeah, recently right. as well. Um, but it's he just has, the part it's, you tell that it's his love of eighties and synth has come yeah, through. Yeah, and, and, he, uh, yeah. He has like a stage name. It's like Nemathunga or something like that, isn't it? For for primordial. Um, you know so, what, if you had to just ask me and not put that name into my head. Yeah, I, I think it's Nemathunga or Nemiunga or something like that. Um, but yeah, he does the full kind of kind of corpse paint and the hood and all this kind of shit. It looks yeah. the part. But uh, Primordial are considered to be the first kind of black metal or extreme metal band to come out of Ireland. Um, they would have existed beforehand, but what we're talking about come out of Ireland. Like, do the rounds. Um, they've been, they've been and fucking... They, they, and seriously put the work in. Yeah, exactly. Now, Alan joined Primordial in 1991. The band were doing the rounds for a year or two before that kind of messing around. And I think he, he fucking answered an ad in, like, uh, fucking... Where did he go? What's the record shop in the bottom of Bratton Street? That just sound seller. Sound, sound seller yeah, yeah, I think it was a little ad pinned to the wall in sound seller or something like that that he saw and he, he went over. Um, this song, I picked Where Greater Men Have Fallen, which I think is off their latest album. And it's... Extreme metal and black metal and blah, 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 not really my bag. I don't mind some of it every now and again. I like um, this song a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, this is fucking deadly. This is real cool. This is one of my favorite oh, yeah, ones yeah. on the playlist. Um, I enjoyed the fuck out of this, I have to say. Uh, since they put out nine albums, which is a fucking lot, like an awful yeah, lot. This. And the fact that Alan has a couple of different groups going as well, including that super group, Twilight of the Gods. Listen, just, there's an awful lot of tours and they appear at pretty much every European festival. They're highly oh, sought after. Yeah, Huge highly Europe, sought after on that kind of uh, metal festival scene. And they tour a lot. And they like, and over here, like, he's just sitting in the pub, isn't he? Like, I don't do. Yeah, like they might do the odd gig every now and again. But the gigs, they, I think the last gig they done was in like Voodoo Lounge or something. You know what I mean? Like a um, cu- couple of hundred people. That's the last one no, I saw them doing Academy, a headliner. Academy, oh, right. No, I think it's Academy or something like that. Have they done? I, I don't know if they've done. I haven't seen a, an ad for uh, Academy for them, but the last time I remember seeing them um, was definitely a Voodoo Lounge gig. Now, it could have been some fucking tribute to someone fucking oh, they dead. Play, they, sorry, they play the, the Redemption Festival. They do that. So they do like this this kind of festival with... Um, yeah. What the bands were... Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, a bunch of them. Anyway, that was Primordial. That was Eventually, yeah. Primordial came out of my mouth. Who is your next one? <laughs> my next one is a band from Wicklow called God is an Astronaut. Mm. 
and the song is Frozen Twilight from 2006. These are definitely known amongst people that are into alternative music in Ireland. Yeah. But they're not a household name. No. They're not what I would consider. Like, you could go to a pub and start talking to a random lad about music. Oh, I mean, to music, have you heard Gaz and Astra? No, what's that? I mean, yeah. you will get people that have definitely heard them, but they definitely fit this category of bands that are bigger outside of Ireland. Yeah. Not you know. By the way, this doesn't mean they're not big in Ireland. Yeah, we're just they're saying just they're more appreciated outside. Yeah, yeah. So um, they're a Wicklow band that's considered to be post rock. Like I don't know if they they give themselves that name, but they uh, it's just two kind of members, Niels and Torsten Kinsella. They sound like kind of Norwegian or kind of Swedish first yeah. names. It's electronic. It's instrumental, but it's kind yeah. of electronic uh, elements to it as well. So. I think their first album, the end of the beginning, was supposed to be a once-off, but uh, it was received quite well, and they decided we'll do it again. Like that, that you know, that's good. And um, it's a bad funny story I was reading today. One of the interviews with them, they said that they were mailing their CDs to every magazine uh, and radio station, mm. getting no feedback or plays from any of them. But their last FM um, stats were clocking into the millions. Do you remember they Last FM? Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> Couldn't figure out why, if they were sending all this stuff around and it wasn't being played in the radio and it wasn't yeah. being featured in any magazines, how it was. And uh, they figured out after like a while that the people in the radio stations had just given the, here, like, to local kids, here's a bunch of CDs. Yeah. They were getting mad into them, ripping them. And Last FM was picking it up, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and they were getting mad plays that way. So um, they played their first show in front of five people in the Isaac book. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. The Street. Played a few times. And uh, that was when they decided, we're going to give this up. It's not going to work. Oh, who was there at that gig? Derek Nally, the old uh, women's booker. Yeah. Who passed away a while ago. Oh, I know, Derek. Uh, I knew Derek, should I say. Yeah. I was at a funeral. He gave... Oh, yeah. Um, really? Uh, well, he, um, he gave them a slot in Whelan's. Mm. And when they turned up, it was 80% full when they went on stage. And that was when people, like, he gave them literally that, that audience. Yeah. Um, they are playing really, really, really big gigs outside of, they're, they're really well appreciated because they are considered to be definitely Ireland's best instrumental uh, band of that. Uh, you know, there's probably a, a Celtic one that's probably bigger. Mm. I don't know playing folk, Irish folk or, or Celtic yeah. uh, inspired me that's better. So don't don't go mad at me if you're listening yeah, to this yeah. one. No, they're not as big as Kunchkushka from fucking Ethoi. Okay, yeah. whatever. I didn't know about that. But instrumental-wise, they are one of the biggest instrumental bands in the world. Yeah. Like, we're talking, I'm talking seriously, one of the biggest instrumental bands in the world there. Mm. They were saying that, like, they get so many gigs. <laughs> if, if a booker can't afford someone like Explosions in the Sky yeah. or somewhere like that, or maybe 65 Days of Static, I don't know, they'll contact these and they'll get the gig. And that's what they did. Just keep flying their trade, putting out, I think they have six albums. Hmm. Six albums. Uh, their first US tour um, cost them about 20 grand to do. And on the day they were about to leave, their gear worth 20 grand also was stolen from uh, the vans in New Jersey. They reckon it was a guy on the inside, a guy they were working with yeah. who sent, sent them all to bed early. No, lads, you need to get, make sure you're all right for that flight tomorrow. He really has to be 
Um, that's horrible to me. But uh, they when they returned to uh, the United States, they were selling their shows in New York and Los Angeles, yeah. Left, Right, and Center. They consider their albums to be a sonic photograph or snapshot of who they were at that moment in time. Huh. Uh, yeah, 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 but still an interesting concept. It is interesting. I want to slag it for Irish because you can't yeah. do understand exactly what they mean by yeah, that. If, if someone <clears> from fucking England or, or America said that, you'd be like, that's cool, would you? Yeah. But it's because yeah, exactly, that fucking, yeah. their Irish are like, saps. Yeah. Yeah. They've actually nine albums. As far as I'm aware, they're self-produced, which is incredibly impressive because the sound, yeah. the, the music, the, it has to be sound great. Yeah. And you're yeah. hearing it this much, it has to sound absolutely mm. brilliant. Um, they've said um, they can pull 500 people in Bucharest, but they say Russia is the strangest one. They've never sold a single thing there, but when they turn up, there's 2,000 people at the show. Yeah, that's because, that's like, after China, that's the world's fucking bootleg capital. That's it. It's got to be it. It has, it to, has be. to be it. Yeah. yeah. Like, fucking um, hell. There's, there's, there's not, no. There's nobody buying well, they it. Say no they say there, we do really well in places like China as yeah, well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, they say that every time they do a show in the US, it's noticeably bigger, their mm. response and the sales and stuff like that. Um as far as Dublin would go, they would play like the Academy. They played mm. the Academy uh, last year. That was actually That's right, the, yeah. the, the I remember that, yeah. <clears throat> um, Robert Smith is a big fan. He um, started playing them on BBC Radio huh. and to the point where they went and supported the Cure in Bucharest, huh. which was savage for them. Deadly. And uh, they said that Robert Smith watched the whole set from the side of the stage Deadly. And he's, he's so interested in all of the bands. That's why he ran that meltdown that time. That's right, yeah. That year. He, they might have been on that. They, on that? Um, they said uh, he's a nicer man than you could possibly imagine. Hmm. Um, in Ukraine, they played an outdoor headliner hmm. to 6,000 people. But here's the maddest one. They headlined a festival in India. Yeah. India, you think? India, 30,000 people. Jesus. That's mad. Fucking that's India. Too, that's, that's too... Uh, Two, three arenas. Yeah. You wouldn't think that there's like anything of Western influence in India. I believe well, like that, China and Japan and all that. Yeah. Russia. Yeah. I reckon India. Um, I reckon they said that they didn't know that they had like, I think uh, much of a pull in India, but over there festivals pulled up those people in anyway, just music yeah. like that. And that the promoter presumably just wanted uh, an instrumental band on, yeah. well first of all there's no lyrics it's completely universal from top to bottom yeah yeah but uh, yeah they said it was hot as well so they got got there melted and got straight back on the plane again yeah it's fucking India sounds uh, yeah. whenever I see I know a couple of people who went to India and it always sounds cool but then they tell me all the little sub stories about fucking the heat and the dryness and the scutters and the everything mm. and I'm like not, not, not remotely interested sorry I'd love to go like, ideally to go. If, if, I, if I could if I could go to alternative of glamping where I had a chef this sounds wanky but I'm not eating food in places that like are so used to putting that much spice on a daily like yeah. oh, that's grand I'd be ruined I'd be, yeah full on and I'd be like can I have something mild and they'd be like this is the mildest thing and yeah, you exactly. won't taste any spice and it, your eyes start Twitching yeah, I can't do it. I don't That's understand. That's cool if you're into that level of spice, but I, I, no, I'd be ruined over there. I'm telling you right now, the people, uh, I know lads who are mad at the spicy food, and I'm telling you right now, there's something wrong with them. They have some sort of like, there's something like, there's something, some deficiency in their taste buds 
where yeah. they don't pick up on like three quarters of the spice. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, like, yeah, they ignore some of it. Yeah. I, I, have, I, have, I, I think I have like a full palate. So when something's a bit spicy, like something's like that, there's a right balance of like flavor and spice. We're like, that's bleeding lovely and there's a bit of heat behind it. You're like, oh, that's kind of nice actually. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. And then you got one step above that. We're like fucking, Jesus Christ, I can barely taste it. And then you get like the hottest thing on the menu. And it's just, it's just pain. Yeah, so, I used to get Vindaloo a lot, but it would, it would be more hassle than it's worth. Like the taste of a Vindaloo is incredible, but the, it, it's, you're fighting with it and yeah. you're losing. You're yeah. losing all the time. Yeah, and there's people who, that's not, that's not hot enough for them. That's not like Vindaloo. It's crazy. Like, the, like, but Indian people have been known to when they go abroad, they carry like a little like thing, thing, a little kind of shaker of air. But isn't well, isn't, but isn't, isn't the whole concept behind that? Isn't the whole concept is that sometimes a lot of the fucking ingredients are used and are rancid, and they're just using spice to kill the fucking bacteria in it. What when they travel abroad, like like in in general, that the whole concept oh, right. of Indian spice is that fucking if they were eating. Now, the, a lot of the, the population are vegetarian and um but like not all of them but like so i don't think that spice can stop uh bacteria i don't know i thought i always thought that was no. the thing that it just kills no. a lot of the fucking grimness in it like it, it's hot in theory but it's not like physically hot, hot, hot yeah I, i've to, no to, idea to kill bacteria there has to be um, some sort of fucking thing behind it yeah. I, well, I don't a, understand it <laughs> that's a God is an astronaut mm. from Wicklow. Definitely 100% bigger uh, outside Ireland. But yep. um, that's just from putting out banger album after banger album. Yeah. Um, and not stopping it. And to be fair, like, I think <laughs> a lot of you will admit that they caught a break every now and then. Mm. You can catch a break. Like they said, they, they were coming up around the start of the 2000s when that instrumental rock post rock was coming up huge again mm. so they did they were in the right place at the right time although sorry they were in the wrong place at the right time because ireland's not wasn't no. particularly well known for that even though they said it there was a lot of bands around that time that were starting there was i used to listen to a lot of instrumental bands yeah uh, from from them around the 2000s and ireland was great for that yeah we were banging out like and so watch it from it's, afar and stuff did, like that you yeah know? and um you didn't have to be like put your feelings on the line with lyrics just go out there and just go mad yeah, it's mad. Just keep Tiago it interesting. Or Tiago guitarist. But that was them. Who's your next one? My next one is another uh, metal band. And I, I have to put metal in inverted commas here. Uh, it's Crewacon. Yeah, they were going to turn up, I suppose. Yeah. They have to, have to, realistically, they have to. Uh, I know I know one or two of the lads out of Crewacon for fucking years. Years and years. Just yeah. gigging. Now, I, I, I don't talk to them on the fucking reg by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I saw them, I'd fucking say hello to them. Um, but I, I, I think we even played with them a few times and I don't think I ever listened to them properly. Like I kind of right. knew what was going on, but like, this is 100% not my bag. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not really my thing. No, this not, is, obviously you have respect for them. They put, yeah, oh yeah, the lads that worked yeah. that bollocks off. They're yeah. absolute bollocks off. Um, this, this music is, is super popular in a lot of places. But like, fuck I know me. So Crewcon do this kind of folk metal, but it's 90% folk and 10% metal. Um, they wear the fucking kilts and the fucking kind of sarong wrap type of things and they have the hair hanging down and sometimes they put muck in their, mud in their hair. And yeah. like, it does a big kind of showman element to Crewcon. Uh, yeah. 
they, I think they formed in like the kind of early mid nineties. That they ended up breaking up in ninety seven. They got back together again in ninety nine. Uh, they put out an album. Um, I think they put out their, their first album came out, and I think yeah, they put their first album out, and they weren't particularly happy with it. But Century Media liked what they were doing, and Century Media approached right. them to where uh, sign them but the deal was dog shit so like they actually said no which is mad that they said no because you'd think yeah. any band with a first album coming out being approached by a massive record label like Century yeah. Media and they just said no that, that, that deal is dog shit like stick it up a hole so the, yeah cool. yeah so I think they kind of self-financed their next one and they brought in um, brought in Shane McGowan the producer that's where the single came from that's yeah so they brought in uh, Shane, and Shane ended up singing on two. He sang on two songs on that on he that album. On right on. Uh, they, I don't know whether he sang on Right on. Right on was one of their big songs. It's a fucking. Uh, that's one of their their biggest ones. But uh, it's a cover. It's, it's, it's a cover. Moore. It's Christy Moore, yeah. Um, but it's like, actually a really good cover. Yeah, that song bothers a shit on me. That song. Um, I don't. I don't know if I dislike it or I'm just sick of hearing it, or it's mostly just the people who like it. I don't know. I think it's the fans of that song. The original, like, or yeah. That's, yeah. No, the, the Christy Moore version. I just there's something about it. When I was in school and that song came out, um, and it was, it was just absolute mutants. The, the worst of the worst. They were like, you know, Damo Dempsey fan type of people. Yeah, but and you you deal with Christy Moore fans once All the every time. what six days because that's where he pretty much has a mattress. Yeah, he in, just in, has a under, yeah, under, yeah. under the under the stage and that's Vickership. it. An old fucking bunk bed or something there from. Uh, I deal with Damo Dempsey an awful lot. I deal with Christy Moore an awful lot. I deal with Aslan an awful lot. Um, all three of those lesser for Christy Moore. Christy Moore fans tend to be a little bit older, but there's been a. Bit a wiser, yeah, yeah. Well, I know the kind of people that you're talking about. They have the Irish patriotism. On their shoulder, but yeah. in, a, in, a, in a push in there, like they have to live up to some sort of rebellious or not a rebellious or thing. But the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, they've got the, the kind of the, the kind of false patriotism on their shoulder and yeah, a exactly. big bag of cocaine in their other pocket. And yes, like it's just this weird. That's of, that's patriotic, apparently. Yeah, that does that right on. I think to me, whenever I think of it, that's the beginnings of that. Now it's being refined out to a fine art with like Damien Dempsey and uh, kind of the resurgence in Aslan and Aslan and stuff like that recently, where like absolute dirt who literally should be shooting each other in gangland wars reckon, are going to see reckon, gigs. Do you reckon those fans? Those people, I say fans, they are fans, whatever. Yeah. Those people will end up latching on to stuff like Fontaine's DC ever. No, no. No. It's not traditional enough. No. It's not at all. traditional enough. No. It, try, it, it, try, it tries, though. It tries. Yeah, but it's not, uh, it doesn't have that kind of IRA tint to it. That is yes. what, what draws yeah. them to it, you know? You're that, right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, <laughs> for want of a better term, woke stuff in, in there. Yeah, you're right. There's more social problems in, in yeah. their stuff yes. than there is in yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, back to <clears throat> back to Crewcon. So uh, they banged out that album with Shane McGowan producing it. Uh, 2014 was a fucking huge year for them. Huge year. Um, that was they done a Russian tour, and there was Mortar as well. That's that was right. I remember because uh, I, uh, I have Keith on, on uh, I have Keith on Facebook, and I remember right, looking yeah. at the pictures and stuff like that. That was. Yeah, yeah, they done a they massive quite, tour of Russia quite badly in a lot of places. I well, think, were, wasn't it? They were treated badly by the media in general because this would have been around the time that Pussy Riot was being the right. whole Pussy Riot thing was happening, and there yeah. was generally this kind of woke 
fucking contingent of people who are like, don't tour uh, Russia. You know, don't, jeez, don't go to Russia, Look, See yeah. what they're doing with the pussy riot and all, and, and, and the oh, gays. That's and right. yeah. So yeah. anybody who had, who had played Russia or had tours upcoming in Russia was, was being fucking, like, bullied online to cancel their yeah. tours. And um, I remember uh, one of the lads from, one of the lads that I know, uh, John Ryan, who plays the fiddle for them, and he was like, lads, we're after putting fucking loads of money into this tour. Like, it's, we're gone for weeks. Like, there's an awful lot of, uh, like, uh, logistics involved in this. We can't just, yeah. just because you said, don't go, doesn't mean we, like, we can't go. Like, we have to go. Like, we're going to go no, over if we no. kill. We're not going to batter any women or anything. Like, we're just going to go play gigs. You know, we're, we understand yeah, that. It's kind of tough one. I don't think it's the same as Israel or South Africa back then. But at the same time, I sort of get where people are coming from. Now, when I said they were treated badly, I think I'm talking about, like, I remember seeing some of the places they were staying where, like... Yeah, Grim. Whoever, Grim as fuck. That's what yeah. I meant by that. Yeah. Uh, now, they played... Well, I don't know if I'm... I don't really have an opinion on that. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't on the fence. They played Israel that year as well. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they done Russia, Germany, Ireland, obviously, Ukraine, Israel, the Czech Republic, and the Netherlands. Um, they played a fucking bunch of festivals, a bunch of headline gigs. Yeah. They, they like, don't know a lot. Like. I wouldn't fall out with someone over it, but to me personally, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I, wouldn't I, think, I think an awful lot of time, times when it comes to... See, again, we, we're thinking about... Like me and you know one or two of the lads, whatever, to, to see up to or say hello to. So we're thinking about them on our level. But at the same time, they have, they have this brand and this band that they've spent an awful long time, course, like fucking yeah, 30 yeah. odd we're, years. We're not in the same position. No. So our, and they've got our, booking yeah. agents and they've got fucking managers and fucking road crew. They've got, ki- they've got kids. They've kids. got mortgages, I'm sure. But I, know, e- I get it. I get it. Like, yeah, I just, but I even, think... even aside from that, like they're fucking, if they're, their booking agent turns around and says, listen, we're after being offered uh, three grand to play this festival in, in, in fucking Israel. And you, yeah. sell a fair, you sell a fair few records in Israel, lads, you know? They're going to go like, fucking, first of all, it's three or four grand. But it's like, if we don't do it, is the booking agent going to fucking take us off the list for a, a German tour or a fucking, you know, uh, uh, anything uh, at all? Like, if you know, say no to a gig... Pers- personally, I wouldn't, I couldn't do Israel. Yeah, personally, I, I, absolutely, that's where I draw the line. That's not a slight on people from Israel, really. Yeah. It's just the whole uh, propaganda of paying it's, people it's, over the odds to get them over to make it look they, like everything's all right. Everything's fine, yeah, we're a real country, like, yeah. Um, so they've put out eight albums... Uh, I think the last, the last one was the last one, the one, but the one before was Blood for the Blood God, which all the Warhammer players went mad for, because um, that's a Warhammer slogan. But anyway, uh, they've had, oh, se- yeah, they've had. Is se- it directly related? Is it like to the, is it one hundred percent? Yeah, one of the gods of chaos is called Corn K H O R N E, and his phrase is Blood for the Blood God. Um, mad, yeah. Uh, it even has a picture of a thing on the front of it that might even be Corn. But anyway, um, <laughs> they've had seventeen past members. Which is mental, and they've also right. had go through a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, but they keep like they have this kind of weird revolving door thing where they just like someone will leave who was a fucking Tim Whistle player, and they'll come back on drums. You know what I mean? It's yeah, that's this yeah. weird jump around type of thing. I'm pretty sure they've had one, maybe two, consistent members from the yeah. get go. Um, I think maybe even only one, where it's just been this fucking long line since like 1993, four, whatever the fuck it is, yeah. all the way to now. It's just fucking the one well, boy. I have watched a good, like I've never seen them live, but I have watched videos the odd time, especially when, like I listen to a new song when it comes out. It's, again, 
not really it's not my bag but it's, it's not, neither here nor there whether yeah. I like it or not yeah. it's just not my type of music uh, it's definitely not bad it's definitely good yes. at what it's supposed to be yes. um, and that's not me just covering myself I'd fucking say if it was shit yes. but it's not because yeah, yeah, yeah. I always give credence to people who are good talented musicians and they fucking are like to be fair um, what was I going to say again I watched a video that they played somewhere I can't remember where it was it could have been Romania or somewhere like that hmm. and they really do give it their all like, oh really fucking do. hell it's a big deal yeah. like it's a big yeah. deal like when this song is the fucking what's it, the marching song of fucking Fake McCall, or is it? I can't even fucking say it. It's, the song's name's that long, it doesn't even. Fake McHugh, which for some reason has the fucking Rocky Road to Carlo bit in it or something as well. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, mad. Like I'm, I'd like to say I'm ashamed, I don't know my Irish history, but I'm not ashamed of that. I'm just, I like other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you, I put this song on and it starts off real cool. And so the, the fucking all the fucking team is like, oh, he's knee slapper. And then the, yeah. the electric guitars come in, and I'm like, why is the electric guitars in this? Like, why is what's going on here? And then yeah. the, the electric, the, I don't know, for me, the mix doesn't sound good. It just sounds like they threw some fucking drums, some proper drums, and some electric guitar onto some trad music. But I think that's their shtick. You know what I mean? Right. I think yeah, that's you, the shtick. When you're dealing with that amount of musicians, I'd say you've probably been through a lot of different rehearsals. Yeah, trying to, try to well. mix that because it's like bazookies and fucking fiddles and geez, tin whistles and off like going on. It's, it's impressive. Don't get me wrong. It's fucking right. It's, I tell you, I tell you what's more impressive than anything else. And I found this with a couple of bands on this list is that you're you're based in Dublin. Where the fuck do you find a tin whistle player? Where the fuck do you find like a mandolin player or a bazooki player? Like not only where do you find them people that play those instruments, but how the fuck do you get them into a metal band or a punk band? How do you get them out of pub? But like, <laughs> like fucking, I know like come up in one of my next bands, but I know a couple of lads that were in one of the bands coming up, and I'm like, how the fuck do you play that instrument? Like for real, where did you learn to play the fucking banjo? Look at the head in you. You what know what I mean? You pick that mad instrument. Exactly. Now I know they play loads of instruments, but like, fucking yeah. hell! Like, what the fuck? Tin whistle, like the tin whistle, and to get good at it, good well, enough at good it to, to play in a band. But that's it, man. Get a niche instrument. Maybe I'll always be in the band. I knew one guy. Yeah. I knew one guy. It was a uh, what was what did he play? He played the double yeah. bass, and he was in orchestras and shit, like proper orchestral yeah. double bass with the bow, and uh, he was always working as a session musician, always. Nice. And uh, nice fella, French guy, I think. Shut up, dog. And he, um, oh, he, he, he was always yeah. in for no, no, uh, anyway. That was fucking uh, crew con with uh, yeah. the, the march of fucking fake McHugh or whatever. Um, <laughs> huge, <laughs> huge, it's that the song name's just too long for me to remember. Uh, yeah. huge band outside of Ireland, yeah, and do the yeah, odd yeah. gig here every now and again. I've seen them a couple yeah. of times. In voodoo, like I said, I might have even played with them over the years. But Jesus Christ, they were. I, I, I used to love meeting up with fucking John Ryan. Uh, he would sound and he would just fucking tell us stories about all the mad shit that happened to him on the roads. And that's yeah. my favorite, favorite thing about hanging out with fucking musicians is hearing road stories. Uh, the lead singer as well, Keith, has a, like a YouTube page where he plays through video games and stuff. Oh, like deadly. Deadly. Yeah. Right, who was your next one? My next one is a very, very big band, but. It's my bloody Valentine. Okay. Yeah. Now I don't know whether they'd be considered a household name in Ireland. They're on. They're on the edge. I think they're on the edge. They're fairly yeah. big, so I might be just kind of blurring things a little bit here. But the fact of the matter is, they're so big outside of Ireland that it dwarfs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. Okay. Anyone born in 
seventies, eighties, nineties, will probably know him. My buddy Mount Turner, mm. not born in ninety. Sorry, born before then. Um, maybe yeah, maybe. 60s, 70s, 80s are going to know who might be in Ireland because mm. they are the shoegaze shoe shoe front runners. Uh, yes. Formed in Dublin in 83? 83. Yeah. Uh, two Irish guys and two English girls. It was Kevin Shields, was the main kind of songwriter and the guy who had that guitar sound that everybody knows from mm. them. Uh, the drummer is Colm O'Kyoisig. I don't know how to pronounce that because I'm terrible at Irish. Uh, yeah, but I bet you his name's yeah. not that. that. That They do that in every band. Every Irish band change their fucking names to the Irish versions of their names and it bothers yeah, the life fair, out this is, this is the 80s though. it wasn't cool back then like it yeah, is now yeah it bothers the life out uh, so I think um, Debbie Gooch was the bassist and Belinda Butcher was uh, one of the singers as well mm. fun fact about Belinda uh, Butcher she was um, successful in her audition for My Bloody Valentine because she sang certain song very well and that song was The Bargain Store by Dolly Parton Jesus. I was turning up to a shoegaze band like an alternative rock mm. shoegaze band singing Dolly Parton and getting it good woman some um, balls yeah to, listen My Bloody Valentine are one of the most influential Irish bands of all time mm. they influenced Smashing Pumpkins Radiohead Cigarettes uh, Deftones and to a lesser extent some of Hall's music um, not just not just Outside of Ireland as well, um, this is a really kind of important thing as well. The Edge came out and said, My Bloody Valentine's music was a major factor in u style change for Act One Baby. That's oh. that's massive. That's big like, claim. That is a big claim. So you come to the moment. That's a big album about, as well. Yeah. And that is when people started going, these lads are like... That's when I was like... you know, I heard a few U2 songs before that, but they had that youthful kind of... Shit, I don't know. Hang on, what was before Act One Baby? Was it Joshua Tree? It was Joshua Tree, wasn't it? Joshua Tree, yes. Okay, I did like a lot of that, but when Act One Baby came out, I was like, ooh, shit, mm. man, yeah, mm. into this. Um, They were signed with Creation Records. Yeah. And uh, Alan McGee had to mortgage his house for the the album that this song, Only Shallow, was off, uh, Loveless. And uh, he was begging and pleading them to finish it because they were bleeding. The, like he said, he, he was watching Creation Records disappear in front mm. of his eyes Good. every day. Good. <laughs> well, we wouldn't have had a lot of deadly bands. The, the, um, that label is amazing. He is a yeah. torturous cunt. I know. He's, he's told me a few stories yeah. before. I had to mind <laughs> him for a weekend. Fuck me. Oh. Fuck me. It was like having Holy Van Morrison God. attached to you. Yeah, oh. it, was, it looks like him as well. What is he like a gargle hound or just a waffler? Or just just a no, he's he's nothing and everything at once. It's real hard to describe. It's just it's like a because he just one of those people that makes you feel uneasy. Yeah, all the time. Like oh, you fucking like you know you're you're to describe. You just yeah. itch you when you're around them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I get you. He's not. No, that's he's not a he's not a torturous cunt. He's just mad awkward. He was real awkward. They were. <laughs> yeah, I always like want to I really, obviously there's loads of interviews with him because of the bands he's yes. found whenever he comes to you know, Oasis documentary he's going to be there going mm. hey, yeah wait, I saw them there agree you know yeah. that kind of crack and it, my buddy Valentine were given 250k to build a studio and do the tour album and it fell apart when mm. when he went Kevin Shields went a little bit mad uh, a funny fact about the term dream pop mm. when it was coined he came out and said it's funny because they would record their vocals at about half seven in the morning while still half asleep. 
Hmm. So that maybe is where dream pop gets that kind maybe. of feel of like yeah. drawn out, sleepy kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They um they signed with Island Records and apparently made three albums and the, the the guts of three albums never released. Oh, that's mental! How much that would have cost. Yeah. So Kevin Shields has it his way or no way. Apparently, yeah. like, you know yeah. that's why that they are so good. Anyway, the the original lineup um got back together. Uh, in about 2008 I think and then mm. in 2003 MBV the third album with the whole original lineup came out to massive reviews like mm. massive fucking reviews and it is good yeah it is, it is good he still lives um, here doesn't he Kevin Shields I think does live in Ireland yeah yeah because he goes he does uh, he goes into Freeboard Records every week or two and grabs a lot of records um, does he yeah I've seen I'm pretty sure I've seen him in there Pretty sure. I bet he grabs very cool records. I have no idea what he does be grabbing. I think he's just one of these guys that just grabs everything. What's out this week? Uh, that pile there, Ricky, was one of one of all of them. Deadly. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna get record and put it in there just so I can say Kevin. Yeah, did. almost definitely heard it. I'm pretty I'm sure. The album, Come get me, Kevin. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna have a picture. Of, I'm gonna have a picture of a mirror looking at him holding out the the record. So it's yeah. already. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Yeah. No, absolutely not going to do that. It'll um, that was that was my bloody Valentine. Mm. Massive, massive band, but the level of his success and uh, influence they cast outside of Ireland yeah. dwarfed completely what 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 they were in Ireland. So, yeah, um, yeah. That was my third one. Who's your next one? Uh, my next one is Blood or Whiskey. Yeah, they're fucking huge. Um, Blood or Whiskey are uh, another fucking kind of Celtic punk act that probably they don't necessarily pre-day people like the dropkick morphies they would be around and about a similar era maybe we're talking kind of mid 90s here i think that the band formed um they have two incarnations the original incarnation put two albums out i think i believe the original singer's name was barney i think it was barney and then um barney i believe had like a fucking mental breakdown or something went off the deep end and he just didn't want to do it anymore he, he didn't want to tour didn't want to do any of that stuff so uh, he stepped down and the band took a little break and then Doug's who was the guitar player he stepped up and he started singing so they they uh, dumped out a couple, two more albums yeah two more albums with Doug's singing um, I got into them just at the end of Barney uh, kind of during the changeover almost so right. I think I saw I might have saw them once with Barney maybe I saw them once with Barney it would have been very young and um, I seen that I played with them and saw them a bunch of times with Doug singing. Um, I prefer the Bar- the Barney era personally. It's a little bit more authentic. It's more kind of pogsy than anything else. Yeah. Um, they I think had, everyone in Dublin has either been in Butter Whiskey or know someone that was in. There was the, the fucking stories. Like I, I know, I know most of those lads real well, uh, and like I, I and I've known a bunch of their old um their old players. A real well as well. They had they had one two missile players, an American guy who just apparently was on the run from the fucking FBI or something like that and ran over <laughs> here. And uh, he's in jail now. He's in like Rikers Island or something. They caught him. Yes. Um. There's a load of match. Yeah. I wrote my letter once. Um. Everybody who knew him, he just wanted everybody to write him letters. You know. That's uh, just to kind of keep up with everybody. Uh, I still talk to Pete Townsend. He was not really in the band anymore. Um, from the who? Nah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Pete, Pete is um was their banjo player, and he's been with them from the fucking from the beginning. He knocked on the head. I think maybe last year, the year before, he was like, "I can't fucking do this tour and 
kind of stuff anymore. They've done a, okay. they've done a bunch of US tours. They were kind of they got taken under the wing of the Dropkick Murphys, and the Dropkick Murphys used them because there's no one actually Irish in Dropkick Murphys, obviously. Yeah. Um, even that lead singer now. Just in case anyone American listen, we mean actual Irish. Actual that's Irish, not, yeah. Not, that's not me gatekeeping. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Just people yeah. that go, oh yeah, my, my, my sister's married to an Irish guy. I was like, his name is O'Dowd or something, but he's not. No. He's not, actually from Ireland. Yeah. That's, again, not gatekeeping. That's not what I'm getting. No, at he wasn't born here. Nobody in that band was born here. Um, yeah. Even their lead singer now, uh, Al Barr, like he's of Scottish and German descent or something like that. It's nothing to do with Ireland whatsoever. But obviously the shtick is kind of the Irish look with a little bit of fucking diddly eye thrown in but like the, the Dropkick Murphys have also evolved kind of past that diddly eye stuff now as well to a degree they're more I don't know what you'd call it like post folk punk rock I don't know what the fuck you'd call it yeah. stadium folk rock yeah. punk I don't know what it is it's um, like a Celtic rise against yeah I don't know what the fuck it's meant to be do you know what just before I go on to the next bit it's freaking me out that there is so many bands, and I'm looking at you, Germany, because you come up a lot in this podcast. Mm. They have Irish rock bands. Fuck yeah, they do. They're not. They're not. None of them are Irish. None of them are Irish. There's a there's a Celtic music festival in I believe it's France. I believe it's France every year where like all these bands go and play, and it's and fucking huge. Every single song. Every is about song's drink. about drinking. Yeah, I wouldn't I mind feel- the, the the guy in Dropkick Murphys who writes the songs doesn't drink. Grant, that's great. Yeah, but they just write yeah. songs about drinking. But at least they've moved off. They've no, they've moved off drinking a bit now. I think the uh, there's, a, there's still lyrics about it, you know. Yeah, but anyway, it has to be. But uh, I found one today, a German band, what based on a guy's name. His name is Mister Irish Bastard. His name is what? Mister Irish Bastard. That's, that's his name. name. Band. Oh, that's the name of, and that's the name of the band. And I listen to them, and it's just garbage punk. Yeah. Yeah, Irish. there's we, so we many. We could do them. a podcast on people who pretend to be Irish. Oh, listen, oh. there's, a, there's um, the, what's the name of that band? They're not pretend to be Irish. Pretend to be Scottish. Canadian band called the Real Mackenzies that pretend to be Scottish. <laughs> like, there's so much of this kind of Celtic influence across the board. But yeah. Blood or Whiskey were one of the uh, definitely one of the um, kind of original new wave of it. Like the Pogues are the fucking the daddy of it all, really. Yeah, of course, of course. And yeah. uh, they influence so many different bands. And again, like, McCown's not even fucking Irish. Not really. But, not really, really. But, yeah. no. Uh, no, it's, it's a weird mixed bag there with McGowan. That's very hard to put your fucking hand on. And he's a... Uh, put your fucking hand on me. Yeah, exactly. I wish you could say that. He'd probably say it now. He's got, he's got new teeth installed, didn't he? Yeah, he's still didn't kicking, he? man. Fair Is he still in the wheelchair? Yeah, I think so. People go on about like fucking the lads from Rolling Stones and all. I'm like, well, look at that lad. That cunt He's is literally, literally immortal. He he like if he must have made like people say they make a deal deal with the devil or a saint or whatever like that. He made a deal with Gargo that the Gargo wasn't going to kill him. He, he full on done. <laughs> He full, he full on done the fucking the the Mister Leahy let the gargle do the talking. Yeah, so Shane McGann exactly. was born. He was born in Pembury in Kent. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah so he, he's just. I think his parents were Irish. He's, he's again he's a bit gatekeepy, but it's whatever. Um, uh, 
so Dropkick, Dropkick Murphys, Blue Dot Whiskey, done loads of tours with the Dropkicks in the States. Uh, done a couple with, um, done a few shows with like Flag and Molly and stuff like that, who were another. Yeah. They were going to get on this list, but I think they, they might be on? too big. Do they all get on, do you reckon? Yeah, I think they all, they know that they're kind of hoisting each other's flags. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if yeah. if Dropkicks go to some weird city and do all right, Flag and Molly know that they'll do all right. And vice versa. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. You know so what I mean? It's a kind of mutual, yeah. mutual thing. Yeah. Now, Flog and Molly, Dave, the singer from Flog and Molly, like, he's Irish. He lives down the road with me. He's, he's about 10 doors down the, down the road with me right now. Yeah. And uh, I see him fucking, I see him every couple of weeks when they're not on tour. He stood in like, uh, my dog like shite one day. No, you told me No, you didn't. You told me about a guy who... What was your dog shit story? Anyway, go back to the I've got out of dog shit stories, man. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Do a whole podcast on dog shit. Um, but uh, there, was a, there was a big change with Blood of Whiskey when Doug started singing. So he was a little, the band were a little bit more selective as to what parts of their old catalogue they would play. And they wanted to kind of kind of clash it up a little bit. So they start bringing in you know, more electric guitars and a little bit more kind of punky yeah. orientated stuff. <clears throat> and they brought out an album called Cashed Out in Culture which is actually there's some good stuff on it um, yeah. there's some good stuff on the album uh, you can hear where the change happens they got fucked over on the album as well they signed with some decent little punk label and they done them over proper um, right. I, I forget the full story but Jesus Christ they got fucking riddled um, on that deal so they had to knock it on the head and then they brought out another album then a couple of years ago and the, if I remember correctly they just said we're putting it ourselves and it's just like CDRs in fucking those little poly bags I don't think it even yeah. has a cover it just says blood or whiskey on it um, but that I think they I think at that stage of their career they'd just been drinking in the foggy Jew too much and they start bringing in like reggae and dub and ska into oh, this Jesus. yeah into this kind of Celtic punk stuff it just uh, didn't work you know you had horns and fucking pick it up pick it up and oh, yeah it was just a foggy jail on a Sunday night in album form and fuck no man no. yeah it just it's not for me that's why like I said I prefer the first two records um, that were put out by the fucking legends that is Mero um, who had his own label here in Dublin, his own record shop, and uh, <coughs> he put the first two out. I actually have the I think of the first one on vinyl, which I believe is a bootleg. But even the CDs, CDs are hard to find on um, on rejected rejected records, and the CDs yeah. go for like a hundred quid. I have both of them. No, here I know a lot of people that like Blood or Whiskey but aren't into uh, Flog and Molly or Dropkicks. Weirdly. Well, they're, they're authentic. Different. They're authentic. They, they, yeah. they, just, they just like them more. Yeah, I, I believe this was always a bone of contention with Blood or Whiskey, that they knew they should have been big. They were definitely big outside of Ireland because Celtic punk is bigger outside of Ireland than it is in oh, Ireland. You could, so, you could, you, but they can live off it. Stay, uh, just, yeah. Now, what happened is that fucking life started imitating art over here for a while. And... I, I fucking if I was a stand-up comedian, I have a I'd have a, a, a fucking bit about it because life started imitating art over here. About I'm gonna say what is twenty twenty? I'm gonna say about two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, where fucking absolute mutant gobshites start dressing up like the Dropkick Murphys. They start doing. You start getting everybody wearing like the flat caps and fucking tweed. Oh. 
and like then like the the the, the kind of yeah, the, the skinhead bottom half and the farmer top half, right? Is what they were doing. And basically what it was, it was to look important and sound important to Americans and tourists coming to Dublin. Where somebody would walk in wearing a dropkick Murphy's hat and some cunt devoid of personality would rock up wearing like braces oh, and a flat cap. Do you right. remember all this? And they'd rock up to them and say, there's the the dropkicks, they're my boys, they're my boys. Well, like two years before, every whenever anybody brought up the dropkick Murphy's, they would cover their faces. But these were metalers two years ago. Oh, yeah. Or they had yeah. no interest in this shit None. two years before. None. That. It was literally a personality transplant where they just, they kind of went from, <clears throat> they went from being just your average Joe to realizing that if they went, I, I talk about the fucking Jew an awful lot, right? Like I said, I drank there for fucking years. I fucking DJed there for years. I, You name it, I fucking loved. This is just a pub in Temple Bar in Dublin that, Everybody drank in for a long, long time. Yeah. Every band drank there. A fucking tattoo artist, bikers. It was just their alternative bar that wasn't like a metal thing like Fibers or whatever. It was just their little bit of everything bar. And for about five, six years, it was fucking amazing. It was, it was literally, it was like cheers. You walked in, everybody knew everybody. Everybody had their own little kind of fucking areas. Everybody was cool with new people coming in. It, it, it was, um, as long as you were introduced, <laughs> right? Like, it was just, I had this, but it was weird kind of hierarchy there. of fucking, like, people who'd been there since fucking, before God grew fucking hair. Yeah, you, know you see that? That's fucking stupid. Yes, it is. It's a, that it's people, a pub. That people have, the people have their own, like, that. that's the type of gatekeeping in a pub. 100%. You 100%. come in as a customer and think yeah. you are a better customer or longer customer. Yes. No, I know that's something. You're worth like, more. It's bullshit. It is absolutely bullshit. You disagree with the balance. You're like, I've been drinking here fucking years. That's fair enough. Yeah. But that kind of shit that went on the foggy just Just Yeah, customers. Yeah. It, it was, Tattoo it, artists as well. Stop. Horrific. It was horrific at some stages. But for a while there, it was the greatest. But it became... Right during the week when they weren't there. Exactly. During the week was superb. But it became this fucking parody of itself. Right, yeah. and the people start kind of replicating the parody that was happening within that pub, <laughs> yeah. right? And it was the same thing that happened. The same thing happened to Brookshells with the metalheads, where fucking if somebody went in and put something bog standard like Metallica on the on the fucking jukebox, all the fucking extreme oh, metal yeah. fucking corpse paint cunts would nearly have an uprising. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah. so, some prick behind the bar would press the button and fast forward it. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah, God, yeah. <coughs> Do you remember that? Oh, the metal, the metal elite. Exactly. Oh, but it was the off. same. It was the same in the fucking foggy. Where, it, like I said, people who were just bog standard cunts start wearing the flat caps, and then all the skinheads. There was just this big revival of kind of skinhead stuff. Like when I started there, there was two or three skinheads, um, who were there on a regular basis, and then it just evolved into this. Everyone was a fucking skinhead for about two years. Everyone. You just bought the same yellow and black Fred Perry top that I've said before. You could do a job interview or go to a funeral in. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> fucking the bog standard smart casual fucking dress code and a pair of jeans and a pair of Doc Martens, Oxblood Doc Martens. And everybody That's looked fair. the exact same, uh, but they were all trying to out skinhead each other. And then the rockabillies were there and the rockabillies were trying to out rockabilly each other. And the punks were there and the punks were trying to out punk each other. And the metalheads were there who were trying to out metalhead each other. You know, and couldn't start tattooing their faces and getting bits of their faces chopped off um, to try and fit in with the piercers and the tattoo artists. That's why just, I think I liked grunge so much. It was never, no one tried to out grunge really. It was Not like, really. 
I like yeah. that. I was like, oh yeah, but like, do you not think Bleach is a better album? Yeah, whatever. Really. It's right. a great album. Like, can, we, can they not all be good? You know what I mean? That's what I did like about Grunge Heads. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, also, New Metalers knew they were listening to stupid music. 100%. Love new metal. Yeah. That's the great thing. Yeah. When it came to fucking metal metalers, I was like, what are you getting out of this? Man, just listen to the music. Yeah, some of the stuff is fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, I like Battery. I like fucking uh, Carcass and even early Carcass. Day aside and fuck whatever. It's all music. Go to, to some kid like, oh, no, that's a lot. That's, I was only listening to fucking Death Leprosy the other day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this fucking... Like, uh, anyway, this place was fucking where bad met evil eventually and it became <laughs> it just became this fucking joke to the point where I, I put my hand up one day and I can't go back here anymore it's just too much shoutboating everybody's trying to outdo yeah. each other and to the point now I don't know who the fuck drinks there anymore not right now nobody's drinking but yeah. like fucking in general uh, everybody who was a regular I don't think has stepped foot in there in years um, it just it just it killed itself the, the snake ate its tail and I'm saying this because Blood of Whiskey they were there all the time that was their place. Um, their manager drank there. Everybody in the band drank there. You'd see them there, fucking at least one of them every night. And they start, I, I believe that this new formation of Blood of Whiskey started writing music to appeal to the people that they were hanging around with in that pub, as opposed to the people oh, who had been... Like, that, I can see that happening just by Oh, accident. absolutely. 100%. Accident, you know 100%. I, mean? I, I kind of sympathize with that happening. It's also extraordinarily easy if you're in a kind of a very specific genre band. If you're in a, I mean, as we're a Celtic punk band, you know. We, and you know yeah, if you're drinking with your fans and your fans are telling you what bits they like. Exactly. Exactly. But then you get a little, you get a bee in your bonnet. You hear some fucking, say, ska band, because a lot of these lads are going to like ska. They hear some ska band, like, fucking hell, that's, you know, that's really good. I wonder, the next song I write, and they're writing a song, like, yeah, it'd be great if I just do a bit of upstrumming, a bit of uppicking here, and fit that in. And oh, yeah, now all of a sudden we're not a Celtic punk band. We're just a band that can do whatever we like. But by doing yeah, that, you but, alienate but half of the cunts. Because those, those fans would also, like, those fans would also love fucking ska. Well, it's across the board. Like, I play. I remember playing when when, uh, when we were doing the uh, Skeleton Crew, the kind of psychobilly kind of hardcore band. When we were doing that, we played. Um, we played Blood or Whiskey's album launch, and um, right. for that Cashed Out and Culture um, album, which was really good, and it was packed. It was in the Academy Two, which is I don't know what the Academy Two, three hundred people. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, three, three fifty. Yeah, something like that. It was fucking jammers. It was bananas, like fucking absolutely outrageous. And we played. And I remember like Blood of Whiskey getting up there and playing. And one of the lads from Blood of Whiskey, you know, thanks to uh, you know the, the skeletons, the skeletons crews, and the best fucking <laughs> rockabilly band I ever heard. And I'm going, holy fuck, man! They got everything wrong with that. Like, <laughs> fuck me, rockabilly band. You know, I literally I die, I kill myself. If it was in a rockabilly band. Uh, and the skeletons, the skeletons are something. So thanks to the skeletons, the best fucking rockabilly band I ever heard. I was like, I'm, I'm out here now. I'm not even finishing. That's this like gig. the Strokes video where they have David Cross going. That was Stroke with Juice Juice. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Again, I got out. I got fucking got on with two or three of the lads. Fucking Grant, uh, Pete. I see all the time. I love Pete a lot of time. But uh, anyway, that was Blood of Whiskey. Uh, extraordinarily bigger outside of Ireland. Definitely, yeah. Then they fucking are here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the style of music they do is an international brand of music. It's not necessarily Irish. Yeah. Um, like yeah. I said, though, it seems to be that it's doubled back in itself where Irish people are pretending to be more into that to appeal to the foreigners that are coming over to be yeah. bestos. To be, they feel, 
I should have seen that coming, but I never did. Yeah, I think the people who don't have personalities that put on the flat caps and the skinhead boots, they get this instant kind of authentication from foreigners. There are Irish people getting authentication from an American mm. band doing American Irish music. Yes, because the if they turn around and said, no one here likes, likes to drop your movies, not really, yeah. like, they're not big. Then the Americans are going to go, what the fuck? Like, they're, they're playing stadiums back home. And we go, no, nah, no, nah, nah, not really into it. I think they're going to stupid. They, they rob. Pa- Irish person finding patriotism and, and their own place in mm. dropping movies is weird as, to me. I don't know. It's fucking mad. Anyway, who's your next one? My next one is James Brown. What? James Brown. What? James Brown from Belfast. Okay. <laughs> James Brown. James the King Brown. All right. From Belfast. Scared the fuck Was. out of me there. I thought I was getting something wrong. Did I fall on a stroke out there on the wrong <laughs> fucking podcast? He was a postman who gave up the gig to become a professional um, Elvis impersonator in For Belfast. Real? Yeah. Um, he did really well as an Elvis impersonator, but he did something really fucking cool in 1998. He released an album called Gravelands. Which went on to sell half a million copies. And it was a cover album of all dead singers. But people like Crocobain, Janis Joplin, Ian Cordes, ACDC, uh, Bon Scott, obviously. And, uh, this sounds like a podcast we do. John Lennon, T-Rex, yeah. Mm. But um, this Gravelands album is fucking deadly. And the song I picked is Come As You Are from that album. Yeah. Um, this is such a mad idea to do. It was just like, it was kind of, grungy and alternative an idea because the people he picked there's a lot of, not, not all of it Janis Joplin's not grunge but mm. an ACDC but it's, it's all, he picked an alternative covers album but in a much better way yeah. than Tom Jones did oh god or Johnny Cash from being honest sorry it's not as great as yeah um, he that album weirdly went did really well in Germany and went to 15, 15 uh, number 15 in their charts yeah. which was kind of weird so he went over there and Whatever happened, I think he had a fall net with one of his producers. So we got a new producer who gave him a German backing band. Mm. And they covered um, Roger Miller's 1964 song, King of the Road. Mm. And then that got picked up by Audi in 2001 for a commercial commercial on German television. Weird. And uh, it kind of got so popular that he released it as a single. Um, then he started touring Germany and going, okay, this is where I, this is where I live now. now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he lived there, but like he spent so much time in Germany selling loads of albums, way more than he was. In Ireland, obviously, Gravelands was big. I mm. remember when it came out. It's cool. It's a cool idea. Mm. Him singing like, come here, you are. And now there's a band <laughs> called Elvana. There is, yeah. Doing the same thing. I don't know. If that, I don't think that's him. No, but yeah, man's younger. Yeah, man, he does yeah. that Nirvana Elvis thing. Is, yeah. is definitely that's, that's why people are going, oh. Paul, have you heard this Elvana? It's a god. Like, man, yeah. Shut up. We, we invented that. Shut up. Yeah. I don't mean to, again, I don't mean to fucking go, I remember when it first came out, but I can't listen to Elvana when I've heard yeah. that. You know? James Brown. So, <laughs> James Brown. So uh, he, uh, he he's moved back since to Northern Ireland anyway and lives mm. there, but he does uh, tour successfully in Europe, even though he's a lot of health issues, apparently, that a lot of uh, depression and it apparently mm. was joint killing him all the time hmm. all the time um, a funny one was, was sorry in the 90s he got an offer from Robbie Williams to tour with Robbie Williams when he, Robbie Williams was just breaking with Angels and all that crap yeah. uh, to tour with him and uh, he said no 
Really? Yeah, he has uh, family commitments. He didn't want to leave his family for that long. <laughs> so fair play to him. Oh, yeah. uh, the last thing I know he did, he's contributed to the soundtrack for a movie called mm-hmm. Lonely Street with Cat Williams, of all people. <laughs> Such a really? That's and mad. Northern Irish uh, Elvis impersonator who did an album of songs by dead people ended up contributing to the soundtrack to a Cat Williams film. Fucking hell. That's the king. Come as you are. Who's your king. next one? My next one is Pugwash, who I never knew anything about until I met one of the lads that was in the band. Um, oh. Pugwash are the brainchild of a boy called Thomas Walsh. Um, it's essentially essentially a one-man band, almost. Uh, but he has yeah. people that play with him live. So in the 90s, he built a recording studio in a shed because he heard that one of the lads from XTC, I think it was XTC, it was XTC, had built yeah. a recording studio in a shed. Yeah. And they just didn't want to go into real studios anymore. He just wanted to have his yeah, own. Yeah, man from XTC, I did, and he never toured either. As yeah. Well. And uh, so they decided, um, he, he said, I'm just going to fucking, I think he had a claim. He was in some accident or something. And he had a few bob. So he just said, fuck, I'll just build a, build a studio. So he built a studio in a shed. And uh, in the first year, he, he recorded like 150 demos. And he sent a little four-track demo into Hot Press. They picked that as like, you know, demo the month or something like that. And he yeah. started getting a little bit of traction off it. Um, he put out his first album in 1999. It's called Almond Tea. And that, a lot of people went mad for it. This had this, it's a weird, such a weird style of music that he does. This kind of retro pop. Um, I know I heard some of it. It is very old-fashioned, but... Yeah, uh, it has this real... He's a good, he's a good songwriter. He's yeah, good he songwriter. is. He has this weird fucking style that like shouldn't really exist anymore. Like the, st- the, the style he's making music in should be like an influence as opposed to the end product. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, a lot of people like liking it, the, the kind of mid-era Beatles. Um, but he himself said, like, that's just lazy comparing me to the fucking Beatles. Like, that's, yeah. that's just fucking lazy. Um, his second album is called Almanac. And there was a song off that called Anyone Who Asks. And fucking, that got used an awful lot in a movie in 2008. Oh, I think I remember that song. Um, it was Edward Norton and Colin Farrell. Farrell. Um, a, movie called Pro- yeah, a movie called Pride and Glory. And it was used kind of repeatedly in that movie. Um, so we got an awful lot of fucking, got an awful lot of traction off that. He banged out another album then in 2008. Um, sorry, 2009. Uh, anyway, I don't remember what fucking year it was. It was called Jollity. Jollity, which is a weird name. And he had fucking uh, Graham Hopkins from Therapy. He had Johnny Boyle from The Frames. He had uh, Duncan Maitland from Picture House. Uh, Eric Matthews. A bunch of kind of oh, guest nice. people on it. And uh, a bunch of guest people on it. After he released that album, he, he kind of retired the live band. He was like, I just want to go back to doing my own thing. And it was around the time yeah. he put that album out and he met Neil Hannon. Um, from the Divine Comedy, and they became real good mates. Yeah, um, they they became real good fucking mates. So he decided, like, I don't really want to do. Like, I'm gonna keep Pugwash, but it's just gonna be me. I think was his deal. Yeah, I don't really want to be doing the big band and all this kind of shit, you know. Uh, so around that time, him and Neil Hannon formed a band called the Duckworth Lewis Method, just right. to tell them, and fucking they. They they put out a couple of albums and they're fucking mad. Have a listen to it. The second album has guest. <laughs> the second album has guest spots from Stephen Fry and Daniel Radcliffe. 
like Harry Potter, Harry Potter and Stephen Fry, like Stephen Fry, yeah, are fucking on the second Doug Court Lewis uh, method album, like it's fucking mental. Um, <coughs> well, do, you know do you know what I can do? Uh, you know what I can do without Stephen Fry and John Cleese's uh, speeches <laughs> getting offended, being used and memes all the time. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, there's an awful lot of that. Yeah, I'm offended. That's you're offended. I'm yeah. offended at people taking offence. People could offend it too much easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It gets you. I, I love awful lot. Both of those people. I love Stephen Fry. I love John Cleese. Yeah. But their speeches on getting offended to my fucking nothing. Yeah, anyway, I, I, so. I like Stephen Fry a lot, but he's, I like him. He's great. Loves the sound of his own voice. You know, yeah. um, that, that, I can't watch that KY fucking show or that cutting when he was uh, cutting down. Couldn't fucking do it. I watched a few of them, but it's not for me. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, I met uh, there was a guy. There was a guy in the band called Tosh, and he uh, he had another band called the Sevils, I believe. And he used to hang around the pub an awful lot. So that this is kind of how I got to know Pugwash because they were coming back off a European tour with Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. He was oh. doing like that kind of smile tour or whatever it was around oh, Europe. Oh yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and he picked Pugwash to support them on those dates. So Pugwash had been traveling around fucking Europe um, with Brian Wilson. So we got a call one night saying, listen, uh, fucking uh, Thomas, and po- uh, Thomas and fucking Tosh um, want to uh, have a little after show in the Bills, you know, you up for it. We're yeah. like, oh, I hate doing them. I hate doing it. You know? Yeah. Um, you don't make that much money. And, it's not and about... Well, the money is one thing. It's just, you do a full shift and then allow the lads rock up in the middle of the fucking night. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want for... Uh, for what's-his-face? Uh, Glenn Hansard once. Yeah. And it's fucking mayhem. Like, it's just, like, it's, it's grand, but it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And um, so we're like, oh, whatever. And he said, listen, uh, Fucking, <laughs> he said, Brian, Brian Wilson's gonna come. So, then yes, then the answer is yes, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, no, no worries. So, um, organized it anyway, and uh, up he came, uh, not Brian Milton, everybody else that was in Brian Milton's band and Pugwash, I'll rock down, don't care, unless not they are exactly. So, I'm sitting there like a fucking prick waiting on Brian Milton. And I said it to one of the lads, where's, uh, where's Brian? So it's not a good day for him, you know. He, just, he went and he bought like uh, three tubs of ice cream. He's gone back to his hotel room to eat them. Oh, he loves his ice cream, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. So fucking, that's Brian Wilson didn't come to his own after show party uh, because he wanted to eat like six litres of ice cream in his hotel room alone. I'm not going to lie to you. That's something I'd do. I'd be more, well more into that than going to uh, a pub for the whole night drinking gargle. Because he probably only drinks fucking Fanta and Coca-Cola anyway. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he's a yeah. gargler. Not anymore. So he just wants ice cream. Is he a gargler or just doing mad drugs? Drugs and gargle, I think, was the, was the bag. They um, are. But I don't, don't like drugs, but I love gargle. Oh, gargle. I'm not, not gargling tonight. I'm drinking a, a lovely, healthy bottle of Alvik. Just I'm so we can... a few cans. I'm not going to lie to you because uh, get, uh, any excuse to... to yeah. Drink, you know, Why not? Um, mad alcohol but... <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, that was Pugwash. Anyway, who's your next one? My next one is an interesting one. Uh... A one-man project called Miracle of Sound. Mm-hmm. And the song is The Wake of the White Wolf from 2014. So Miracle of Sound is a one-man band and an independent musician, Gavin Dunn from Cork. Mm. Um, after the breakup of his band, he was kind of really loud playing a lot of video games. And went, I'm just going to do a fun thing just to take my mind, go back into writing music. And it was, So he was playing Half-Life. So he wrote a song called uh, Gordon Freeman Saved My Life. Yeah. Uh, 
So you put it up on YouTube, I think, like that. And the next day, it, it racked up hundreds of thousands of views. Hmm. And he was like, holy shit, what a weird like thing to happen. It's just a song about like a guy from a video game. Yeah. Um, now, fast forward, this has become his crazy niche that he hmm. just copped on, writing songs about video game characters and now some sort of t- maybe TV or movie characters. Hmm. It's become massive from him. He... Uh, he has one song on YouTube. I think his biggest one is a song about Tyrion Lannister. And that has nine, nine million views. Fucking hell. Uh, he is officially, I think, the most successful indie musician in the country, as in yeah. everything is from himself. Uh, self-finance, self-put yeah. like, out. That. You know what I mean? There's lots of indie musicians, as in... Mm. That's the style. Yeah, his style isn't indie. His style is fucking weird, man. This is like almost folky power metal. Weird. And well, depend on the song. Now, to be fair yeah, to him, yeah, yeah. To be fair to him, he he did a song for um about not for but about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Uh, that's that's more of a kind of seventies kind of thing. It yeah. Actually, sounds remarkably like Devil Woman by um. Cliff Richards so I think to, <laughs> I'm uh, just a guardian of galaxy I'm just we'll just start yeah the start of it. <laughs> the dude is clearly very talented about yeah. doing whatever he whatever he wants I just find it mad right that this dude has 54 million views on his YouTube videos Fuck. but he's writing it all from a box room in a cork apartment <laughs> that's fucking mad to me mad I mean, brilliant like it's great if you could do it you know what I mean like it's some of the stuff it, like it's it's definitely not for me. Like yeah. some of it is kind of interesting, and some of it is like it's impressive. I give him that. Yeah, it is, it is impressive. Uh, what he needs to do, though, what he absolutely needs to do is to get himself to Germany. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Or Russia, yeah. man. I guarantee you, he plays a gig in Russia. He'll go. No, no one likes me in Russia. They go over there. Five thousand people will turn up. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. Miracle of sound for the game. But you know, you know, he needs to before he goes to fucking Russia. Is to you know, command and conquer Red Alert Hellmarch. Oh yeah. He also needs, yeah, he also needs to do uh, about. It's just about, about Hellmarch. No, about fucking uh, modern warfare. He needs to do a modern warfare. So, but he loses geek his geek niche down. I say maybe I don't know. He seems very very much on the level, very like down to earth kind of guy yeah. in the interviews that I read about him. Uh, every one of his albums is called like level one, level two, level three. Oh okay. He's up to like his eleventh one now, I think. But he it's some of the stuff in between. Interesting. About one and a half a year. You know mm. what I mean? So he'll do maybe a bit. Of, I just find that the film is quite just being absolutely. That's real he cool. Is definitely way bigger. He just got that fucking writing songs about video games down, but he can do it from his own. I think he only plays maybe guitar and mm. cooler instruments, maybe the rest is just VSTs, virtual instruments for people that are not like me. Mm. Like, oh, love an old virtual instrument. Basically, it's a it's a sample an old Steinberg. Yeah, yeah. I used the, the Steinberg sampler a lot. Actually. Mm. Um, it takes about half an hour to load the keyboard on a thing, but yeah, They're yeah. Like I said, he needs to get himself to Germany and stuff like that. Uh, Gavin Dunn. His dad was a famous poet from Cork, apparently. Really? I think Sean Dunn. I, think his hmm. name was. I don't know much about him, but I was reading about it today. That's a mad one that I found. Uh, a, a super successful indie musician from Ireland making albums on the internet and selling them like that. He has like. That song, Wake of the White Wolf, that's mm. like six and a half million listens. That's a lot. 
That is a lot. And he's bigger on YouTube because obviously that's that he he's bouncing from well, video that's where the nerds live as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, way more. You'll come so up in there uh, suggested fucking videos of anything yeah. related to Game yeah. Thrones or video games or blah blah exactly. blah. Exactly. And that's probably that's possibly how he kicked off with the Half Life thing. Mm. Well that's uh, Gavin Dunn, aka Miracle of Sound from Cork. Mm. Uh, who's your next one? My next one is The Virgin Prunes. Right. Now this this is a slightly off kilter one because uh, I don't think the Virgin Prunes were I don't know if they were as important while they were really a thing as they became afterwards. Yeah, I thought yeah, like all I know about the Virgin Prunes is that they were big ish in Ireland, but surely bigger outside Ireland, right? Yeah, they were one of the first kind of Irish death rock bands, if you get me. Um, yeah, uh, the it's a weird. They have this weird parallel to U2. So, obviously, Gavin Friday was the singer. Um, they formed in 1977, which would have been kind of the, the beginnings of, of punk and where uh, even bands like the Stooges and stuff would have been kind of mixing that punk and garage and rock and roll together to make something new, which is... Death Rock is one of those things where I don't really think Death Rock is real. You know what I mean? I think it's... I don't, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it, but I know bands that are Death Rock, but... Uh, I don't understand the qualities that it yeah, has to be. A, that, that's what I'm saying. I think it's it's like a. I don't think it's a genre. I think it's a tag. Um, that can yeah, be it applied. Also sounds very. It sounds cooler than it sounds is. Sounds really like cool. It. I like I like Death Rock, but it's, yeah, it's not as cool as it's that name. It's yeah, but I, I yeah, I just don't. Th- I don't think it's a genre of music. I think it's just a a look or a feel that gets right, I get you. I put get across you. a load of different bands. Like I've heard like bands like the Coffin Cats, who are just an American psychobilly band referred to as debt rock you know what i mean like yeah i, I think if you have a particular uh if you have a particular theme like i've heard the cramps referred to as as debt rock and mm. <coughs> they want to still to this day don't really know what the cramps are like like genre wise i couldn't fucking tell you it's all over the place horror, horror surf yeah horror surf a billy I, well, I don't, I, yeah right. i don't know what the fuck it is but the virgin prunes were one of the first irish debt rock bands uh gavin friday was the singer he ended up leaving in 1986 so he'd done kind of nine years with them um yeah. they continued on under the name the prunes which is an atrocious name oh that's right yeah i forgot about that until the early 90s um they, they were kind of they had this kind of gut feel to them as well uh, they were signed to Rough Trade for a while. Um, yeah. I think they were. I think they were locally important in Ireland, but I think they were looked upon outside of Ireland as something kind of exotic. Well, yeah, I couldn't swear that they were bigger, like in England, even in Scotland than Ireland. I don't yeah. be wrong about like no, like I know that like here, that there's people who were going to gigs were like, "Oh, the Virgin Prunes are great," like you know they were. Yeah, like I played them the odd time on the BGM. It's usually just the obvious one, like Baby Torn's Blue, because I love yeah. that song. Yeah, it's great. Um, I, I wanted to play something off their first album, which is uh, it's If I Die, I Die, I think it's called. And uh, it's not a Spotify that I could find at the moment. It might be up, it might have been up there on one stage, but it ain't there now. So I picked a yeah. song called Love Lasts Forever, which is off there. They couldn't have done this little kind of get back together again type of situation. Of course they did. Yeah. Um, the guitarist in The Verge of Prunes was Dick Evans, who we talked about before, who was uh, in U2. He's uh, The Edge's brother. Oh, right. Yeah. Another. Yeah. So um, Dick Evans was like the, the guitarist. And um, he was the first guitarist in U2 um, before I think his brother then jumped in. 
after him. Yeah, if I remember. He's two di- two dicks in the family. Yeah, oh, exactly. joking, I like the edge. I like the edge. Yeah. It's just it's, it was too good of a shit joke to to let pass. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you've got a uh, Derek Rowan, aka Googie. He was an artist. Um, he's done oh, a lot that of- makes sense because if you ever watch, uh, remember that show, uh, Naked Eye, the Irish mm-hmm. prank show. Yeah, they got like the guy who's a bit like Jake Stevens, the kind of dumb guy with the "Here we are, here we are" as yeah. a taxi driver. Bring Gavin Friday, and every time Gavin Friday said, "Want to go left here?" Your man took a right, uh, and then you hear Gavin Friday eventually going. Fucking Googie set this up, didn't he? Yeah. Googie set this up. <laughs> right, so, right. That yeah. makes sense now. So, Googie, is, uh, Googie was probably more famous after the Virgin Prelance. He became this kind of weird outsider artist. And um, he do, he do, I think he's, one of the, he's Bono's best, though. People think Gavin Friday is, is Bono's best, though. It's not. It's Googie. Googie is fucking Bono's fucking BFF for life. Yeah. And he's done a bunch of, art, a bunch of artwork for, uh, for U2 and stuff like that over the years. Um. Their first album, If I Die, I Die, was produced by Colin Newen of Wire. They brought the guy from Wire in. Oh, yeah. Producer. Um, they, re- they released, I have to go looking for it. In 2004, they released this kind of discography on LP, which oh, is like everything. I think it's on a double LP, the first album and a few little demos and, and shit like oh, that. Oh, would be interesting getting that. Yeah, what am I going to look for? Um, Gavin Friday obviously went on to have a pretty solid career afterwards. Uh, we actually yeah. talked about Gavin Friday. We talked about his album Tobacco Shag there a while ago, didn't we? On something. Did, yeah. On what I do not remember. Um, it, was, it could have been yeah, some producer or something. I cannot remember. I did talk about for Gavin Friday. I can't remember which episode. Yeah. People, need to, be, people need to tell us what episode it was. There. Yeah, I don't they fucking did. remember. We, we talked about his it. album Tobacco Shag, which is, is kind of an important Irish album. But uh, he, something weird happened with him. He uh, He wrote. Somebody wrote a play based on his album, Tobacco Shag. And then someone made a movie out of that play. And then he was brought in to score the movie. Right. Which is weird. Yeah. The whole thing goes around saying, and he's done a fuck ton of soundtrack work. Like it's a bit like, it's like Dr. Dre scoring straight out of Compton. Yes, exactly. Uh, Or scoring it, you know, (laughs) He's done a fuck ton of soundtracks, um, like having songs on soundtracks, and then he scored a couple of movies. Um, he does so a few songs with you two as well. I think he did. Does he? He's on, or has a part in that song "Ground Beneath Her Feet" from Million Dollar Hotel with Mel Gibson. Maybe that's, that's a good song. He done. He's done. He had songs on Mission Impossible, Mulan Rouge, Ro- Romeo and Julia, uh, in the name of the Father. He scored. This is fucking mad. He scored. That fifty cent movie, get Richard I Trying. Fuck off, did he? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Neil that's Neil Neil Jordan. That's an Irish. Yeah, is it? another Irish director, yeah. Oh yeah. So he, he must have brought <laughs> he must have brought Gavin Friday in to like, listen, we need a lot of music for this fifty cent movie. All right, yeah, yeah, no worries. Go Bono, it's your how birthday. Fu- how fucked it literally like is his birthday. birthday. Um it is actually oh, Yeah, this week. Uh, turned sixty this last week. Sunday, yeah. Um by the time this comes out two Sundays ago. But yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, the version premiums I think were extraordinarily important and kickstarted something. But I, I think there was there was one guy in the band that wants nothing to do with being in the band anymore, if I remember correctly. Um, really? Yeah, he's just he just hands up, not into it anymore. And, I find uh, a lot with the version premiums. I'm listening to their stuff like going through. I'm like skipping some. Now, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Nah. yeah. <laughs> they they they've, they've a bunch of stuff that like 
was well put together and then a bunch of stuff that just doesn't make fucking sense almost filler um, yeah. kind of garbage but that listen that's the Virgin Primos I think that they were they well they were big here I think they were big locally and I think they were more important externally yeah, I think I, that, that could be open to interpretation, but I, I, th- I thought you were right about that. Virgin Prune has been presumably more influential, if not bigger. Like it's, it's a hard thing to quantify, but surely mm. they're fairly influential. Like a lot of Goths from England and America. Like if you ask Trent Reznor, you know where Virgin Prunes are, he's going to say, yeah. Yeah, of course. Surely. So there, that's, that's surely proves it. There's also an element in all, in all genres, but in particular in that kind of got and like we said debt rock for people to want to outdo each other so they go hunting for the most obscure random bands and yeah. every now and again you get a band like punks punks are fuckers for it as well um punks are swines for it and what, what they'll do is they'll they'll almost champion a fucking obscure band yeah so out of nowhere you'll get these big resurgences of uh kind of adoration for bands that their time has definitely come and gone but they'll just get this blast because somebody important in the scene will make reference to that band and then obviously yeah. everybody's gone streaming them you know yeah uh, but that was the version the the version Bruins. who is your last one my last one is a band called and tell me if you've ever heard of these the bachelors i never heard of the bachelors it doesn't ring a bell me neither till recently this is why I had to swap this out last minute. These took mm. the Kelly family's place. Um, the Bachelors were a band from the 60s from Dublin who were signed to Decca Records. Fuck the fuck up. No. The, to same, fucking la- the same label that is now Universal, Bing, yeah. uh, Bing, Bing Crosby, Al Jolson, and even uh, sister Rosetta Tarp, who we should have mentioned when we were talking about Little Richard in terms of who started rock and roll, really, mm. but he, he had just died, so I'll give him yeah. that one. Um, they started out, two brothers in the band, Connolith and Declan Klusky, and uh, another guy called John Stokes, first appeared as the Harpsichords, Harpsichords, I think, uh, on Luxembourg Radio. Now, do you know what Luxembourg yeah, Radio is? I, I knew, but this is, yeah, this is cool. Luxembourg Radio is only something that I kind of found out about in the last couple of years mm. doing this podcast. Um, which was like the forerunner of a, a pirate radio, really, wasn't it? Pretty much the invention of pirate radio was Radio Luxembourg. Yeah, yeah it, it was such a huge uh, mast, that <coughs> powerful radio station that it reached from Luxembourg to UK and Ireland mm. to the point where uh, bands were put, sending it over to um, Luxembourg to be played. So yeah, because they got to cover all of Europe. like Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. We Which know is, any more about that. I read about it years ago. I had, to, I had to write something fucking years and years ago. Um, I think it was in school. Yeah. And I had to cover, I, I was obsessed with, um, I was fucking obsessed with Pirate Radio when I was in secondary school, like absolutely yeah. obsessed with it. And, you seem uh, like a guy who would have tried a Pirate Radio. Also. 100%. I even had an idea about 10 years ago for a weird form of Pirate Radio. And, and now uh, look at us, now look at us. I know, this was, this was going to be outrageous, like this was, I was using those little Raspberry Pi computers. Oh, oh yeah. I was yeah. basically going to build like a Dublin city like intraweb that would broadcast FM locally enough to stay underneath the radar. So it would be internet radio, but broadcast on FM. No way. Yeah. I had to, I had it all figured out the software and everything. Then I nearly bought a fucking monster of a transmitter off like Alibaba express there a few years ago as well. And you're going to put it in we got to put it in the uh, mountains, Wicklow mountains. Well, the whole thing was everybody used to go up to Tree rock mountain and put masks up there. Yeah. In the nineties, the whole day, I knew two or three lads who had pirate radio stations, and um, you used to go up 
you'd go up to the Tree Rock Mountain at like five o'clock in the morning and you'd find some weird fucking spot to get a mast that would overlook all of Dublin City and you yeah. might get away with it for a week or two. You might get away with it. Um, but yeah, fucking Radio Luxembourg, I've, I don't remember. I remember fucking, I think it started in like World War Two or something like that. Um, yeah. That's pretty much all I remember about it. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember reading something about the BBC trying to get rid of it because it was cutting into a, like they had no ads or something like that. Well, do, you rem- do you remember Atlantic 252, that radio station? Yeah, vaguely, yeah. That was Radio Luxembourg. Right. Oh, so, and that's right. And Channel 5 in England bought it yeah. as well. So Radio Luxembourg had a parent company who sold the rights to fucking RTE or something like that. Yeah. And they turned, uh, they they started Atlantic 252 out of the bones of Radio Luxembourg and they got access yeah, to all the old went, stuff. That went from the 60s to about 1992, I think. Or to, it was 1992, I think, yeah. So it's yeah, like, I think yeah. Radio Luxembourg started in like the late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. So listen, that, that's when they kind of started with their, they were a, harps, a, a classical mm. themed band who played harpsichords. All right. Harmonicas or harmonicas maybe? I don't know. Anyway, look, what happened was then they changed their name to The Bachelors and started to release, it was all covers back then. They were porn tapes. They were porn tapes. Yeah, they, were, they put mm. them on it. <clears throat> and, um, put them on radio looks radio looks <laughs> <laughs> just them banging mats yeah um, Irish here's style one, right? uh. here's a weird one they performed <coughs> Danny Boy on right. the Ed Sullivan TV show fuck off pa- Patrick's Day special Jesus. but the Patrick's Day special was filmed in Dublin fuck up was he Ed here Sullivan's, yeah he was yeah wow uh, in 1959 Fuck me. That is, holy that's shit. Mad, isn't it? So that, that's where they got a kind of break. And from then, they became, uh, during the 60s, they had loads of successful songs and tours in Europe, Australia, South Africa, South America, USSR, and the United States. They were big, like, really big. And I've never fucking heard. Now, here's the, here's the thing where a household name is a bit of a fucking vague term because I remember I said it earlier. I think I remember I said it earlier. A household name in this thing is like, what I would consider a non-household name is if you asked your auntie who's younger than your ma, do they know it? And they say no, then it's not a household name. Yes. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That might be a, good, a slightly good barometer. There's probably better barometers of what is in the household yeah. name. So you wouldn't maybe ask your ma. You might not ask your younger cousins or something like that. Yeah, let's, maybe, let's be honest. Every, 99% of people's ma's are just useless at music. Do you know what I mean? They <laughs> yeah. they know what they listen to yeah. when they were fucking like yeah. fifteen, and then it's and all I over. Even, I don't even mean in, in terms of that. I just mean like someone slightly younger than your ma. But yeah, was who bridges the gap between your ma's generation and yours? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that if they don't know, so they in this case they probably would know the bachelors. Yeah. Me and you. And everyone I've asked them, so did you ever hear the Bachelors? They're actually Never. signed to Deck Deck it and released like a load of that song. Diane is a cover. They're all covers, man. It's oh, yeah, of course. Time. That, was, were, that was the time. Yeah. No one was writing songs. No one was writing their own songs. We're covering nah. songs from America. But uh, I was looking it up and they were doing like, like, how are they touring the USSR with American songs in the 60s? That's fucking crazy. South America is mad. South yes. Africa is even madder. Yes. That's even madder. Australia, yeah, I kind of get that. But that's in the 60s, man. That's That's big, like. There was a oh, big shit. thing in the in the sixties about the uh, 
I was only watching something there recently, a big thing about Australia in the 60s. There was this mad power struggle between um, England and America. Right. And you had like the, the, the older generation were all kind of very much, you know, were British. And yeah. the younger generation were all taken on the kind of the tenets of the USA. So they were right. building hot rods and kind of looking like fucking, you know, uh, rebel without a cause type of fucking shit. You know, they were all, this is the way the youth were either, dressing and acting. You know what? I know what you're saying. Either way, they're going to be influenced by a colonizing yeah. football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> as, as we were um, as well. But fucking, yeah, the, the, the Australia is a fucking mad one. Like, Yeah, it is. But Jesus, yeah, in those days, the grimness, yeah. the grimness. This, this, this goes to show, like, that's why I wanted to pick this. This is yeah. kind of our wheelhouse completely. Yeah, yeah. A band from Dublin in the 60s that was signed to Decca with fucking, that's mad. Like, that's we would have been pumping out show bands that. Yeah, that's another band I meant to mention. I think Miami show bands were bigger outside of Ireland than. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Maybe. I know. I know that they were as big as the yeah. Beatles and Stones in Ireland. In Ireland, one hundred percent. The show Maybe band era of Ireland is mental. I don't know of any oh, other yeah. genre of music um, anywhere in the world that had the fucking significance of the show band era in Ireland. It is yeah, you, me and you are here. This is a fact. Me and oh, you yeah. exist. Because of show bands, yeah, that is a God, that is a fact. There's nobody riding, in Ireland riding music exactly. There's nobody in this country whose fucking grandparents, like our age, whose grandparents or great grandparents, didn't meet at a fucking show band gig. Who didn't go yeah. to a dance hall and fucking meet at a show band gig? They didn't and that was, fucking exist. That was like. I don't think it was the punk of back then, but it was a fucking rock. It was, it's it's all there was for the youth. I'm sure there were sure some people like in the church, especially going, I don't know about the show bands. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would, definitely would have been like for the, the kind of slightly rebellious youth. But there was it, there was levels of show bands as well. There was like the yeah, fucking true. cookie cutter, absolute fucking yeah. grimness, like the absolute grimness. Sure, fucking the, when the Miami show band were killed up north, that wasn't even supposed to be the Miami show band. That was meant to be the, uh, the Wolf Tones. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They killed the wrong band. So there's, there's documentaries about it. It's fucking insane. Like, why the fuck would they want to kill the Miami show band? They wanted to kill the fucking Wolftones. Do you know what I mean? Wolftones yeah. went over some back mountain instead. And uh, they, the Miami show band took the, the fucking road that the um, the Wolftones usually take. And the, the fake uh, the fake fucking uh, British Army guys, or yeah. possibly actual British Army guys, who knows, uh, shot them and killed them. I know, I used to work yeah. for a guy. The, the Miami show band went through about three different versions. So when most of the band were killed, two or three of the guys survived and they kept going and brought in new guys and then those guys retired and the kind of second generation guys brought in third generation guys. And like, There's still a version of the Miami show band doing the rounds right now. But when, when I worked in the Matter Hospital, my boss, he was the keyboard player in the Miami show band, the version after they were killed. Like So V2 of the Miami show band. And the stories... The stories he told me were outrageous. Like, it wasn't like Brendan Bowyer, like, good mates with Elvis and the Beatles. They all knew, like, everybody wanted a slice of fucking what those bands had. Everybody wanted it. The Royal Show bands would play in, like, Las Vegas and stuff. Yeah, easy. Yeah. And they were were huge. They were huge. I have to put a band like this. I know uh, 
the bachelors and not necessarily show band music at but all that's that's a mad story i never heard that i didn't know there was any other bands on deck or anything like that like that's that's a big big fucking thing like I need to find more about what, what Irish bands. I found another couple there because we will soon, well, yeah, soon enough we might be doing a, a radio show that has Irish music on it. Yes. And we're going to have a bit of fun with that one as well. We're not we're not going all page. It's not Paddy's Day or Actually, the reason I'm doing this, that we're deciding to do this now, and I'm suggesting that to you now, is because I don't want to do it anywhere near Paddy's Day, like some sort no. of fucking, oh, God. Oh, no, horrific. We did a good Irish episode today. I think that was interesting. I found a lot of interesting stuff in that. That's yeah. that's one of the ones where instead of us trying to depart knowledge that we already knew, we found it. Delivering it to you as as well as we possibly yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was the Bachelors, Diane from uh, nineteen sixty four. The Bachelors. Yeah. Do you have another one or is that? Eh? No, I've one more, and uh, it's the Dark Horse. Oh, you do, you do. Yeah, it's, yeah. You do have another one. I do, it's my last one, and it's uh, it's my own band that don't really exist anymore. And the reason I put them in there as opposed to another band is that at least I'd, I could speak to it from my own point of view. I was going to say, that's good, and I'm glad you did, so we can, yeah. like, like here's first-hand experience of someone who's bigger outside of Ireland than yeah. in, apart now, from this podcast, of course. Apart from this podcast. Yeah, so... We, um, I was in a band called 20 Bulls Each from, I think we started, there's kind of dissent on the camp as to whether we started in the year 2000 or the year 2001. Nobody can fucking remember. Um, I think it was 2000 and I think Gav, the guitarist, thinks it was 2001. But anyway, um, <laughs> don't worry, is, break, is, there, is there breaking up? Well, uh, we, we <laughs> broke up fucking like five years ago. We, we were supposed to be playing a gig in like five weeks time. Uh, we were supposed to be doing a reunion gig. That's right. Because uh, obviously it's 2020 and uh, I wanted to do 2020 Bulls each for the crack. So we've, we've been rehearsing. Uh, we've been rehearsing for the last fucking um, four or five months. Getting ready. That's, that's right. You have been yeah. at the crowd. Remember you complained about the pain in your hand because I know what it's like when you haven't played guitar. No yeah. Back and like, oh, fucking fuck hand it. is all in shit now. And I don't, I don't, fucked up yeah. that day. I don't even play guitar in that band. But I had to fucking have to learn it all anyway to show the lads. Because yeah. I wrote all the songs but I don't play guitar in that. Not all so the songs. Uh, 2020, 2021 bulls. Yeah, no, 2021 bulls, which doesn't really... Ah, oh, they fucked yeah. it up. The, the, the coronavirus like, fucked it for me. It's like the best... Uh, you know those uh, New Year's Eve glasses that everybody wears? Oh. 2005 was the best year for them because it was symmetrically beautiful. Yes, yes. So there's two, the two O's for the eye. Then they started introducing like 2011. Like, how are you going to get that into yeah, the eye? Yeah, how It's starting getting too... Um, Fucking Elton John then. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> Goodbye to um, Yeah, so we, we started in the, let's say, let's call it the early 2000s. And yeah. for a couple of years, we were just your average bog standard kind of punky, bullshit, kind of hardcore whatever nonsense band playing every fucking toilet. Like our first gig was supporting a Ramones tribute band. You know what I mean? Like that type of garbage. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, we done the same thing that every young Dublin band done. What were they, what were they called? Do you remember what they were called? Uh, Pinhead. All right, Pinhead. They played a few times. The lads are all right. I kind of know one or two of them still. They were Grant, one of them, yeah. the singers, a taxi driver. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just lads who like the Ramones, and everybody can play Ramones songs. So why not? Yeah. And uh, they, they were actually that Pinhead band at one stage were fucking huge. They used to do, like Midnight at the Olympia and everything. Yeah, um, man, I heard of them. Yeah, they've definitely... been around for years. Yeah, I am. Um, they done. They they were real big for a while. Like I, I would have called the band, especially if you were a bad Blitzkrieg flop. 
Oh. Or, uh, let me see. <laughs> Siobhan, Siobhan is a punk rocker. Siobhan is a punk Irish, rocker. Yeah. The Irish twist in there. Anyway, let's move off this because I'm uh, really knackered. I'm knackered, man. I'm not going to let you because that's why I'm coming out. The, the, the more tired I get, the worse the jokes get. Um, yeah, so we, we played every fucking toilet. But after, I'd say after six, seven years of just wherever, doing what, whatever the fuck, you know, somebody offers you a gig, so okay, okay. and there's, there's something in every kind of young band's head where you're always thinking that if you knock it out of the park, something's going to come of it. I but, know, yeah. You, you, you know, give it your all, something will come back. Yeah, but it doesn't. You know, it, it, it doesn't. Like The days of being discovered at a gig because some cunt in Geffen Records walked in, it, especially in Dublin, it's it's not a fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like maybe no if Eamon Dorans was still going, maybe if Eamon Dorans yeah, was still going. Like I fucking like we we, we played Eamon Dorans every two weeks. Like you know what I mean? It was just yeah. It was at the point where you could leave gear there. Like and no one gave a bollocks. No one gave a shit. Yeah. And but there was so I always remember the turning point where I think I we went out for a few points one night and we were having a yap at what we wanted to do. And I remember saying to the lads like. Like, do you want to be like a hobby band? Do you want to have just fun and write songs and, you know, rehearse once a week and, you know, play the fucking voodoo lounge and aim at Dorrance, you know, yeah. have a gig every weekend, carrying this fucking gear around and whatever? Or do you want to like, do it? Like, do you, want to do, do you want to be in a band and have that experience? Now, yeah. I don't know whether we ever thought we were going to like set the fucking world on fire. You know, I didn't think we were going to be the next fucking i don't know nirvana you know whoever pick a band you know um we never had that but we wanted to just be a real band m people yeah m people yeah so we just wanted to be a real band so everybody decided like okay so what we'll do then is we'll continue on with our normal lives with our jobs and shit like that but what if we just turn everything up by like 50 percent why don't we like rehearse a little bit harder try and write better songs try and Get out of fucking Dublin a little bit. That's that's a good compromise. Don't go balls to the wall. No, because there's no and lose it. You lose it all. You should start again. It's again. We were very, uh, very aware of the fact that we were in Dublin. Very, yes. you know. Um. So we'd start taking. We start doing the sign, gigs. The signposts were everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard to not know where you were born, <laughs> but um, we we fucking we decided we were going to do a few more gigs kind of outside of Dublin just to see what it was like to be you know get in a van and go somewhere for a night and come back and see what it was like. Just see what yeah. it was like to not play the same fucking toilets every weekend. So we started doing like Belfast and Cork and Galway, all the normal fucking hellholes. And then someone offered us a little tour in England. So we went out and we done that. We At this stage, we thought we were fucking, this is, a, this, we're going to England, like this is unreal. We're on a ferry, like a real band. This yeah. is incredible. And we got over to England and it's fucking horrific as well, you know. It's the same shy. You're playing just their toilets instead of yours. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all it is. Um, <clears throat> we decided to put out an album, self-funded an album, put that out, self-released it, uh, sold the f- whatever, a bit of it. Um, my big thing was that I was good at the internet. So I was on yeah. every fucking forum. I yeah, mean, you're the, computer, you're the man on computers. Like, computer. Exactly. But I was on every fucking forum, every website, every fucking chat room, every. That's all I done. I worked in computers during the day in the hospital. Um, I had access to all their fucking printers. So I was robbing their fucking stationery and their padded envelopes to mail off CDs from people who bought them. I was fucking, like, you name it. I was, like, yeah. everyone was getting posted through the hospital's post for free. 
You know what I mean? Like I was using yeah. all those resources. I was using up their savage fucking internet. I was building websites. I am, um, uh, as far as I know, um, we were their first kind of independent Irish band on iTunes. Um, I had to jump through mad hoops to get oh, us on I iTunes. So. And I finally got us on iTunes. And then I fucking, I ended up having a meeting with the guy who started that website, CD Baby. Um, oh yeah, that was good. So I, I, I met him in Dublin. And he was one of the four services that handled uh, kind of digital distribution. So they yeah. done they done like CDs because nobody was playing records back then. So they done like CDs and they done downloads and they could get you onto fucking uh, on they could get you onto iTunes yeah. and get you onto fucking. That, even at that, it was rings you'd have to jump through. It was to get fucking it. incredible, incredibly hard. But yeah. after we got on iTunes, we started noticing that people were buying this album. So we went there, we made fucking. What did we make? Making a fucking EP or something. We did a couple of releases and we were selling them fucking... Every week I was sending out fucking tons of these CDs and T-shirts that we were having printed all over the world, you know, like fucking Rome and America and Canada. And I was like, who the fuck? But, uh, simply because we were on iTunes and we could push it out. And we also had accounts on everything from the like garage band to fucking Reverb Nation yeah. and, you know, fucking all that bollocks. We were on everything. MySpace was a big fucking deal. Um, and then we decided we wanted to, we said, fuck it, let's do, let's do the States. Fuck it. Let's do the States, you know? So this was obviously everybody's dreams to tour America. So we found this website called bookyourownfuckinglife.com. How punk is that? Bookyourownfuckinglife.com. <laughs> right? And I, I think it might still exist. And all it was, was uh, all of America broken down by like state and city and town. So, I looked at a map of America and I said, okay, well, it's cheapest to fly into fucking Boston or wherever the fuck it was. And so I'd look up Boston and then on this website and I'd find a list of a bunch of promoters and I'd email them saying, listen, we want to come over at this day. You know, we need a couple of quid and somewhere to stay and some food. You know, can you do it? And they'd be yeah. like, yeah or no, yeah, no. And eventually it takes months to do it by yourself. It's a cunt to, uh, to book a tour independently is a nightmare but it got done we went over and we done it and we were like hey, like people are coming to these gigs like people are coming to these gigs this is fucking mad and we were selling merch like mad i mean mad like the only thing that kept us afloat like people didn't buy fucking cds and give a shit about cds you know they get all online for free even back then yeah like soul seek was still a thing and you know, there, was, there was all the fucking uh well, like usenet and all this kind of shit you could get it if you wanted it you know if you remember, there used to be these websites that was like, you could download the zip files of entire albums. Do you remember those? Yes. Yeah, I can't remember what they were called. They were all hosted in Russia, but they were fucking all over the internet. But people wanted t-shirts. So we, uh, we uh, got in contact with a t-shirt printing company in like Philadelphia or something. And we struck a deal with them um, for pretty cheap fucking t-shirts and pretty fast shipping. So we could get kind of re-upped shirts on the road. We get them shipped to the next venue. Um, in three days, four days, whatever. And we were, we, we realized, we realized pretty fucking quick that like the reason that we were doing well wasn't because we were like a hardcore punk band or we were good or any of that type of shit. It's because we were Irish. All of right. us. So every fucking cunt in America, he was granda fucking sailed out of Kerry. You know what I mean? Like every single one of them, he was in that area, heard, there was an Irish band playing the Brass Rail or the fucking McGillicuddy's around the corner or whatever the fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they yeah. came out with a fucking woodwork and they'd come to the gigs and they'd have fun. They'd come up talking to us. They just wanted to hear us talk, you know, say something. 
uh, all right, yeah, how are you? Oh, my God. Oh my. You know what I mean? Of, of the morning to yeah, you. exactly. And then we were getting T-shirts made up that said, like, Irish hardcore. And they were like, oh, my fucking God, I have, to, I have to have one of them. You know what I mean? Good move, man. It's a great so move. So instead of, like, a skull and crossbones, I had a harp and crossbones one made. So, oh, it. man, you don't understand. Oh, you fucking... A cheap uh, that movie 300 was big at the time so you know like this, this is Sparta which I'm kicking a dude yeah. I'd done that and I said this is Dublin with a dude kicking a dude I, I was just cutting slaps on the t-shirts they were all over the place <clears throat> so we ended up doing like I don't remember how, you know, three or four fucking tours of the states um, that's mad fair fucking play um, three or four tours of the states we've done England a bunch of times and the last time we done England was in London in this legendary fucking uh, legendary venue um, underworld huh the underworld no no this is like a hardcore venue what the fuck is it called oh, the, right, right. Um, what the fuck is it called it's on Denmark Street oh my god my brain's gone the fucking my brain is dead I'll remember now in a second um, but this was like their place for a fucking London hardcore London hardcore is real weird it's mad weird it's basically lads with knives that stab each other like did you ever watch that TV show Top Boy no, like anything about London gangsters. Pick any sort of like London gangsters, like lads who live in the flats. A new, a new TV show called Gangs of London, actually. Yeah, apparently it's great. But think about that. But just lads have guitars as well, right? So they're wearing like tracksuits and fucking runners and fucking Shit. bags full of cocaine, but they have guitars as well. That's the London hardcore scene. It's fucking insane. It's mental. It's incredibly yeah, violent. It's batshit mad <laughs> as well, right? So we, the last gig we played there yeah. was like this big fucking gig. And it was fun, whatever. But we done like Scotland, Wales, Italy. We got invited over to Italy to play outdoors in this kind of amphith- amphitheater on the edge of the fucking Alps. Um, <clears throat> in this fucking weird town, they flew us over and put us up for like a week in our own apartments. Um, we played. I don't know him. It was like two or three other bands played. We headlined it. There was a van driving around the town with all of our faces on the side of the van with speakers on top of it playing the music. It was fucking mental. It was that crazy. Man. Yeah, we done tours of Poland and fucking like Poland's fun as well. I like Poland a lot, but um, we never. Like, we were back in Dublin, and we'd still like someone had offered us a gig, and that'd be a fucking other toilet gig. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it'd be just another fucking toilet gig and there'd be 50 people there or whatever. But we go to the States. Now, some gigs in the States were bullshit as well. But, of course, it's a gamble. Sorry. Yeah, but like some of them are fucking amazing. There'd be hundreds of cunts there. Hundreds of them. And like 99% of the time, they were putting on the gig for the Irish fucking hardcore band. They were putting it on for, for us, you know. But yeah. we always fucking done so much better outside of Ireland. <laughs> to the point... Where fucking when I had the record shop in Temple Bar that I was talking about earlier, I was in there one day and I got a phone call off this dude. This random fucking American number on my mobile. And I answered it. And uh, it was the guy who owned uh, Thorpe Records in the States. And Thorpe Records were a big kind of hardcore record label who had a bunch of bands that I was really into. Right. And um, they had bands like Sheer Terror and The Business and they did loads of stuff. And um, it was the guy from Thorpe uh, wanting to sign us. They just rang me out of the blue. So I didn't even ask the other lads. It's like, yeah. I knew what they were going to say. Of course. Yeah. 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 It's too wild and deal. Like. Um, I made them sign the other band, Skeleton Crew, as well. I was like, you know, fucking, because you, you rang me about these cunts. So tell you what, give us the same deal for the other band. Yeah. Now, at the same time, signing that deal was the worst thing that we could have done. It effectively killed the band. Really? Yeah. It, was, it, it, didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work. It was just, it wasn't a thing. Um, 
What is it, the pressure that they put on you to do touring or, or get the album together? Or? Yeah, see, when, when we signed that deal, Gav, the guitarist, it was away. He was traveling around the world with his missus at the time. And right. uh, we, had, we had literally just put out an album. So we had nothing. Uh, we, we had a few little kind of warm-up riffs, but we know songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Gav wasn't going to be back for six months. So I had to run off and I wrote an entire fucking album on my own. And at the wait for Gav to get back and then we start rehearsing again to show everybody songs and, you know, change them up and suit everybody, yeah. do what we could. Oh, and uh, that went out and then the label, I don't know whether, the, I don't think the label kind of got, got soured on us, but I think that their idea of kind of reinvigorating the label by signing a bunch of new acts kind of backfired on them. So right. when we were part of this kind of batch of three or four bands that they had signed and none of them really done much to be honest with you um none of them really done much mainly down to the fact that the label's idea of signing the band was to just create a band profile on their fucking website and sell like digital downloads and t-shirts and stuff you know like like there's no physical copies of that album ever released um that's lazy yeah yeah like i've never seen a physical copy of that album uh same as skeleton crew we had to print them up ourselves which is, would, would have been illegal and breaking contract, but we sent them off to a CD manufacturer and just had a couple of hundred made up because people were asking us all the time. We were like, I'm not to sell you. You have to go onto the label's website. And if enough people buy the... The deal was if enough people buy the digital downloads and they'll have... Uh, they'll make the CDs and the LPs. But they never done it. Even though I was walking around my own hometown and I saw people with the T-shirts that the record label were selling on the internet. I saw them walking around wearing these T-shirts. <coughs> so... Uh, that was kind of the end of it. And then they start offering us tours, you know, big tours. You know, do you want to go to fucking, uh, do you want to do Eastern Europe and Russia um, yeah. for a month with this band? And I was like, uh, let me ask the boys. And then they'd say, you know, uh, you, you get uh, 200 quid a day. And I'm like, 200 quid a fucking day? Like for a whole band? You, you, like 50 euro a fucking day? And yeah, you have, you have to rent your own van and bring your own gear. So stick it up your fucking hole, like, you know. Um, the, the, the concepts that they were pushing, they were also we were getting on a little bit we were we were in our 30s I'd say at this stage in our early 30s so it's not like we were fucking 1920 with nothing to lose like some lads were yeah. fucking getting married and some were having kids and you know real life was starting to become a thing and the well there wasn't pressure it was just it was just stupid it took us out of our element the reason they came after us is because we made ourselves kind of interesting to the world at large by doing our own thing by putting out our own records and organising our own tours you know, and that's what they wanted. And then when they got that, they kind of changed the direction of it a little bit, and that kind of fucked with us. Um, but yeah, like we, we never done anything here. Like we done some support gigs here in Ireland, like therapy and people. I was talking yeah. about the therapy gigs, and like it was fine. Like I didn't meet any of them lads. Do you know what I mean? I was just in the fucking green room, hustled onto the stage, played half an hour, and fucking pulled off it. Like, deadly. <laughs> like yeah, there's great footage and all that. You know, it was full house, and we played a bunch of great gigs, and I played got to play with a load of bands I really like but like still nothing ever came of it here yeah. no one gave a shoy no one gave a shoy because and, and that's we didn't give a shoy this whole, that's the crux of this whole episode really isn't it yeah pretty much like, <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah, I, I, the way I always looked at it is that Ireland doesn't have like you think of England right so England's like rock and roll right whether it be the Beatles or whether it be fucking Rolling Stones or you know fucking name Kings. a band right name a band it's just it's a rock and roll fucking place you know um, like America 
Yeah, exactly. M people. <laughs> <laughs> like you name a band, whatever. Let's, let's say England's England's for fucking rock and roll. So they, they've loads of different genres, but rock and roll is their fucking bag, right? Yeah. Um, you go to the states, like they do fucking, they do metal particularly well. They do hip hop, obviously, better than anybody on earth. But yeah. Ireland doesn't have a, doesn't have a music. You know what I mean? Not really. Like we've banged out some good alternative rock bands over the years, but none of them were ever the first of that kind. You know well, I, mean? I think to be fair, stuff like Anuna and Keela, actual Celtic music does extremely well. But apart from that, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but like I'm talking about popular music. Like, oh, okay. yeah, we don't we don't have a niche. So what we do have, we've got thousands of splintered scenes, and not enough people for this small country to support any scene, to get big enough for it to be worthwhile for a band to put their full effort into being an Irish band yeah. in Ireland, you know? Yeah. So yeah, they're always looking outside. I remember reading an interview with Ash and they were talking about going to London. They were like, listen, we, we could be, uh, we could be like the, 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 the big fish in a small pond or we could be fucking, you know, we could try and be like the big fish in the big pond. So we fucked off to England and, yeah. and tried to, tried to make it over there. Cause if you're making it in England, you've a shot at least. You've a shot. Yeah, it is. The, like, the, like if you think about like the scene in London being bigger than the scene in Ireland for alternative music, do you know what I mean? Like you're moving yes. up and you're getting more exposure. You're getting more gigs and you're getting more crowds at yeah. the gigs. Yeah. Look, it makes sense. Although exactly. we still, we still fucking are an incredibly impressive country are putting out great music we're super at putting music out but we don't support yeah. that music it has to get a lot of the time it becomes bigger outside of here which is like you're saying it's it's fragmented it needs to find a, a, a good group outside of it yeah yeah exactly anyway that's us for this week um, yeah, that was that was the bigger outside Ireland podcast yeah uh, you can get us on patreon.com forward slash lost our podcast um, if you want to give us a fiver a month it's great uh, you can get us on Facebook uh, yeah, it does help a lot. It was on facebook.com forward slash Lost Air Podcast as well. Share, help, fucking rate, review, all the bullshit on the podcast. And then every Saturday night we do our live radio show on Mixler.com. Just go onto the Facebook page yeah. and uh, you'll get all the details there. Do yourself a favor, create an account. That way you can chat to us um, and it runs and properly. Correct us and get in the... Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of crack. I love the chat. Chat's a bit of crack. Chat's great as well. The chat's yeah. great fun, um, and we so, actually uh, read it and react to it as well. Yes, um, we do that every Saturday night, nine um, Irish time, which is what GMT yes. Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, um, figure that out for yourself because so. it's UTC plus one, that's something like is. that. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that's us for this week. We shall be back uh, this Saturday for the live one, and we're back with another podcast for you next week. Good night. Night.